You're listening to Pigeon Radio Australia on 88.3 Southern FM, The Sounds of the Bayside, Melbourne, Australia. Stop the pigeon, 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 how? And this week on Pigeon Radio Australia, as promised last week, we've got a special uh, broadcast and uh, show about long-distance pigeon racing. And we have our special guest, what we had on last week on Pigeon Radio Australia, who is an expert at long-distance pigeon racing, and he's from Tamworth in New South Wales, and that's Dennis Woods. And we also have from Pigeon Racing Victoria, who's got a lot of new members who have uh, come into the sport, that's got a few new questions to ask Dennis Woods about long distance pigeon racing also. Hello gentlemen and welcome back to Pigeon Radio Australia. Hi Ivan, hi guys, how are you? Good mate, good, how are you? Very yep. good, very good. Yep. G'day well, Dennis, g'day Dennis, how are you going? Not too bad, thank you. That's the way mate. Alright, let's kick this off. Uh, who wants to open up the questions? Taz, do you want to open up with the questions? Yeah, mate? yeah sure. Dennis, um, one thing that I've asked a, a few uh, new flyers and and I, I, I asked them what uh, what are the biggest sort of obstacles for long distance racing. Um, where do you think a lot of new flyers go wrong from the distance? Because a lot of them seem to do all right, say, early on in the middle of the program, but they sort of peter out going into the long ones. What would be your advice to them? Well, if, if they've got to have the right type of bird in the first place to do the long ones. Yeah, uh, there are a lot of blokes, but the imp- a lot of the imported birds are too too big and heavy to fly distance, and yeah. uh, the the distance birds are more a, a light frame bird. Uh, you can't feel them in the hand, you know, like they 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 meant to. Uh, they're like a butterfly; they can fly for a couple of days, you know, without knocking themselves up too much when you get them fit. Yep, yep. And uh, a lot of blokes don't feed them properly. Um, they feed them like sprint pigeons, you know. They don't, uh, you know, put enough food in them to, to keep the body weight up on them. Yep, yeah, yeah. Being, being smaller birds, it all comes down to the feeding, and uh, and uh, you just got to watch, you know, like you, you run them, run them just through every second or third week, right through the whole program, yep. and then uh, about two weeks or three weeks before the long race. You pull them up then, you know, after, you know, you have two crews going, one stops at three weeks before your long race. Yep, yeah. Uh, one stops two weeks before. So, so what you do then, you spend the first week and a half uh, not worrying about it, you just let them out around the loft and really pump the food into them. Yeah. Uh, to, to get all their body weight right again. That's number one. If the body weight's not there, you won't get them home. Yep, yep. And do you lean towards, uh, with the feeding, towards fats, towards carbs, or to, towards, say, peas? Well, if, if you have a balance, like my, my mix is a balanced mix. I've got peas, wheat, milo, uh, safflower, corn, and then I, I add uh, small small parrot or uh, peach face, they call it, and it's got a lot of uh, sunflower and more safflower and all the millets, but... What it does is um, 
that the oil seeds give them energy. Uh, so as you get up, as you you know you do your short stuff and you start to get in the middle distance onwards, I, I go through a lot of safflower. I, I end up putting the extra couple of dippers of safflower in my mix. Yep. And, and corn. If they're taking the corn, I uh, you know chop the corn up as well with another dipper or two. And uh, you know if you if you mix that and got much corn in it. Yeah, uh, I leave the peas, wheat, and that in it, uh, and feed bread. And yes, feed yes, bread. that's right. Yeah, yeah, I give them bread, bread uh, every day to keep them in, interested in the bread. And yeah. uh, later on, when you get into your middle distance stuff, I feed more bread. And uh, coming up to the real long ones, I give them bread twice a day with their grain. And with bread, is it the normal white bread or is it wholemeal? Yeah, just normal white, but uh, mm. sliced bread, just get the slice. Uh, but you got to have fresh bread. You know, I, 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 put, uh, I buy a few loaves and I put some up in the freezer and I just get one out at a time, thaw it out, and um, I'll use that the next day. And uh, I get bread in the morning, bread in the afternoon while I'm breeding, you know, and, and, you know, to rear the babies up. And, uh, yeah. They pump the babies up nice and, you know, uh, yeah, with these distance-type pigeons i got here, they don't put too much weight on. They just pump them up to the body they want to have, you know? Yep, yep, and, uh, yep. And if you do it when you're breaking the birds in and get them on the wing, as they're exercising and all this sort of stuff, if you keep the weight on them and, and, and really feed them heavy, the, uh, they build their muscle up better. Yep, And, yep. and uh, the people who feed light... And, and only food by the ounce, and this sort of feeding. Um, it might be all right for the sprint pigeons, but with distance pigeons, you've just got to keep the weight on because, uh, as I said, they're light in the first place, and if you get them too light, they won't fly anywhere for you. Yeah, they've got a different metabolic rate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got to keep hopper feeds the best way with them, and, uh, yeah, feed them three times a day, versus you give them a feed in the morning after they finish their exercise, and then leave enough in there so if you're going to work or whatever, so they've got a, enough in there to have a midday meal as well. Yep, yep. And then in yep. the afternoon you, you might work them again and then, uh, then top them right up heavy again and then just take your food out at the end of the night. Yep, yep, yep. Um, the other question I have, which is a little bit related to the first one, is a lot of flyers, both experienced and inexperienced, have said that they struggle in particular with the cock birds. Like they'll get the hens but not the cocks. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I've won a lot of 700-mile races with cock birds. Six, 700-mile races. If you get a hard day, the cocks won't let you down. Uh, they're stronger than the hens, and uh, if you get a headwind, crosswind, uh, you know, them sort of conditions. What I what I uh, tell everyone is, uh, if you say if you've got a twenty bird limit that you can, you know, you're allowed to put in, make sure you got half and half, like a hens and cocks, split them up. Yeah, yeah. Because on you don't know what, whether you're going to cop on the day. If you get a headwind or crosswind, you'll get a cock every time. Yeah, uh, you, you get still conditions or a tailwind or whatever the hens will blow them away. You know what I mean? Like to blow the cocks away mainly. But um, uh, like uh, uh, cock birds are a lot stronger. And if you get a, a real bad day, they'll push through that harder than the hen because they're stronger and they've got just a bit more will to get home. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like especially if you've got them 
I've, I've got all my birds mixed all the time. I don't separate them. And uh, they get a little nest and spot in the corner or whatever on them long races and and uh, they'll bust themselves to get home to that nest box, you know what I mean? Why do you think a lot of people do struggle with cocks? Why do they seem to sort of uh, lean towards the hens? Is it? Do you think it could be their overfeeding or under-training? Or? Uh, no, the feeding's got nothing to do with that. As you said, you feed them all the same as what I just said. If you mm. feed through, through, right through, um, you know, to do the distance. If, if, you know, I'm just talking distance here. Like I know the spring pigeons, you don't feed them as heavy, but um, but uh, with the distance, you know, you, you've got to keep them up all the way through, and then run them every second week if you can, right through the whole program, or every third week, bust them into you know two teams. And uh, like if something, if you have a hard race somewhere, you might hold a few back. What might have come home a bit slow, give me extra week off or something. It's all from re- recovery. Yeah, and if you keep working your cocks like that, uh, and don't worry about them flapping around the loft and whatever while the other birds want to work later on, especially when mating season comes up. You know, when it's uh, you know later on around you know um, September or whatever they start wanting to mate up. If they're flapping around, it's a good sign they're ready to go. <laughs> you know, yeah. because if they're flapping, they're healthy and. Um, and um, they, the, they won't let you down on them long races. Um, a lot of people don't like them because they're not working as well as the hens are, you know what I mean? Yep, yep, yep. But what I do with them, if they're not flying too much, I gather them up and give them a toss. I just toss them uh, an extra toss or so more than the hens. Yep, yep. And uh, if, if I've got birds who won't come out of the loft too much, if they just go around and come down, and there's nothing wrong with them, I just throw them in a basket and give them a 20k sprint while the other ones are up flying. You know what I mean? Just put them in the basket, in other words. Are your cocks very similar to the hens? Like, are they on the henny side or are they a lot larger? Um, well, because well, you get mixed up with my birds half the time because you don't have the hens or cocks half the time. They might You might be putting them in a hen crate all the way through and then they start crowing at the end of it, you know. And if you go off the toe theory, it helps a bit, but uh, there is a lot of cocks that have got the same uh, size toes as the hens. Yeah, so you do yeah. get up a bit, but uh, I pick them by the feet, you know, like mainly you can, and the head, like uh, if I can't pick them by the head, if they look henny, I'll go by the toes, you know? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, you've got the, when you level your toes out, you've got uh, the cock bird, he's, he's got uh, three different size toes where the hen's got two level toes and one big toe, you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I remember when I was flying in the VHA, there used to be some long-distance men, and they, um, a lot of them had uh, cocks that were on the henny side. Um, and that's one thing I, I definitely I definitely noticed. Whereas well, some, they're, they're, I'll tell you what, you get them henny cocks, they, they, they normally fly well. Uh, yeah. You know, and uh, like uh, I've, I've put birds in long races thinking they were hens, and um, next thing, um, they've been home for a, a couple of weeks later and uh, they're starting to crow around the place and <laughs> there's, um, they look like hens. Like uh, you might have a pair in a nest, they end up with two cock birds instead of uh, hen and a cock, you know, and, uh, and you, you say, oh, well, I think that's a hen. And uh, so you run it through as a hen right through. But um, it, it, it looks like a hen, but it is a cock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. two cocks in a nest and... Uh, yeah, that's half the half the problem. I get a lot of two cocks in the nest, and I get a lot of two hens in the nest. 
Yeah, and um, uh, last year I got a lot of hens there. I had a certain pair, so I couldn't get a cockbird out of them. Yep, yep. So it was just funny how it turns out. But this year, that same pair is shooting a lot of cockbirds out. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, another question I have, which is uh, a little bit off topic, but I, I ask everyone this. Um, it's how do you think we can promote the sport and retain the membership? Like, what what should we be doing more of? What aren't we doing enough of? Well, the hardest thing, I think, for younger ones now is uh, go back to the old clocks with them. Like, if anyone, like, people are throwing them old clocks away, and instead of making people buy a clock, have a heap of club clocks, you know, where they're going still, like the old wind-ups. Yeah. Um, and uh, just tell them, you, you don't worry about a clock for your first few years, just to, you know, um, let them have a clock from the club, uh, save some money that way and uh, and try to give them a bit of a discount on, on their fees just for the first season or so and, um, to, you know, till they get real keen into it. Once they're keen, they're hooked, they're right, you know, but it's the first year you lose them uh, mainly because uh, they, they might have a, a bad year because no one sort of tells them how to fly their pigeons properly. Uh, you need a bit of guidance from experienced flyers in your club to really show them how to train them and how to feed them and, uh, and, and, and you know, um, all that sort of stuff to, to get them going. And then if you offer them a clock, if they haven't got one, and pigeon crates or anything they need just to get them going. And once, once they're hooked after a couple of years, well, you can say, all right, well, um, you, you might have to think about getting yourself a battery clock or whatever or, or a, um, you know, a system for your, for your loft if you want to get one of them or, you know, for... Um, so... Uh, it, you know, I, I, or we can just give them a clock on that just to save them a you know, thousand dollars or something for their first season you know, um, instead of having to lay a heap of money out the fly yeah, yeah. There are some federations that are offering uh, novice status, which is subsidised racing or reduced um, uh, cost racing, which is, I reckon, a step in the right direction. Yeah. Um, well, and even because uh, uh, they're not going to do very well on their first year, probably. Yeah. So, so yeah. Like, you could give them a half price on their birds, even, and just say, uh, just in, anything, just to encourage them and. Uh, and if everyone chucked in and, and bet them a few good ones, you know, just uh, and try to get them a win here and there, and uh, you know, with a bit of guidance, um, once they get a win, they be, you know, like uh, it just changes the person, you know, and uh, uh, no one likes coming last all the time. So if you try to help and you're battling flies in your club, uh, it just, you know, they won't leave you, you know? That's true. That, that's been my experience as well, and I've found that if they taste success um, their first year, they usually stick around. Um, and, and if they don't, they sort of start saying, well, maybe I'm not cut out for this, or maybe this is not what I should be doing. I could be doing a million other things. And that's where I sort of think, as a fraternity, we're not really focused on that. We're not focused on retaining the new members. Um, we pit them up against the wall, against hardened veterans, and they're expected to sort of just take 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 it on and deal with it. But I think we really all have a bit of responsibility in guiding them and, and steering them in the right direction um, because it, it's there, there's no way they'll stick around. I mean, we, you, you need at least a couple of years for the, the bug to bite. Um, That's it, and, 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 and I don't know. But, you know, every club should have a couple of trophies here and there, just to 
even if you give them to the new flyers, you know, for the best up-and-coming flyer or, or whatever. Something. Everyone likes a trophy. I, I get, um, actually, I've got that many trophies here. I'd like to uh, donate them to um, anyone who wants to take them, like uh, in different clubs around the place if they want to uh, get them there somehow, like... Uh, uh, just to, uh, they don't have to take the tag off them and put a new tag on with someone else's name. And, yeah. um, I, you know, it's got that way. I'm on my own here now, and, uh, like, uh, it's a big job just to, um, just to keep everything clean. And, uh, if, if some club battle and to get money for trophies and that, I wouldn't, I'll, I'll donate some trophies to you, you know? Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, I think we really have to sort of look at, at this question uh, long and hard and uh, just just focus on new people coming in. I mean, I've noticed that uh, I've noticed that you help them a little bit. A little bit of help goes a long way. Um, yeah, and I, I think the main thing is, is when they're kicking off with their birds, um, you know, they don't, they try to, everyone's in a rush to get their birds out to, you know, they, they say, oh, you've got to get your birds out 50k or 100k or whatever. Uh, the main thing is that they, they do the groundwork right in the first place up to about 10 to 20 k's, like even 2 to two to 5 to 15 to 20, with their birds, you know, about 20 tosses before they get past 20 k's. Yeah. If they do up to 20k uh, tosses, you know, um, work their way to 20k's and then stop there until they get about 20 tosses up, they'll hardly lose many birds when they get to their 50 to 100k's later because they get that well drilled, the birds from the shorter ones, um, you don't tend to lose too many, you know what I mean? Like, but yep. you yep. hop them out too fast and they get hit with the perigans, they could end up a couple hundred mile off course and they end up doing the lot, Nelly, and... Uh, the, the most important thing to teach any new flyer is don't go past that 20k tossing until they have a lot about 20k's tosses up their, their sleeve. But you don't, you know, start off with a couple of k's and 5k's and 10k's and just gradually move them babies out till you get about 20k's and then what, you know, six or eight in on there before you start going out any further. Yeah, yeah. That way yeah. they won't lose as many pigeons. Uh, you know, when you do get them out, like you can jump them out to, you know, a couple of 30s and then into your 50s and give them half a dozen 50s and then a couple of 100k ones just prior to racing. Yeah, um, yeah. That's, that's the best way to, to get your birds ready for the racing. Uh, have a 100k one just prior to the week before you, you start them, but work it out with all them short ones first. And if you whop a lot of short ones in them, I do them daily. Uh, the short ones, I'll, I'll take them daily or every second day until I, you know, get up to where 20 tosses in, I'm up to 20 k's. Yeah, and yeah. I will drill them, and then by the time they've finished that, they just head straight home that own circle. And and uh, when you got them at that stage, you can hop them out 30, 50, it doesn't matter. They'll just do exactly the same thing. They just take straight off. They don't muck around at the point, and that's how you want them, you know. Like you don't want to muck around at the point to get hit with the perians. Uh, with your birds, have you ever brought in other birds, uh, for example, the Euros, and compared them in, in your loft situation and see how they behave uh, with your birds and, and what the results are? Mate, I've, I've had my birds, these, I've got three uh, top Harrison families here and, uh, and, and two different McLean families here, and uh, I've never had to, once I get a pair of stock birds, would have bred me a, a winner, like a four or five hundred mile or 
or 700 mile or whatever, I don't separate them. I keep that pair together for life. And uh, so in other words, I've got that many pairs in my cage with a bred long distance winners. I've never ever separated them. I don't care which side it's coming from because they're clicking. And yeah. uh, once you get a pair that's clicking, don't keep changing around to see if it's coming from the hen or the cock like a lot of people do. You're wasting uh, a lot of years doing that. And uh, and where you could be... I've had pairs here breed up to... This. I've had two different pairs here breed eight long-distance winners in both families. Yeah, yeah. And if, by keeping them together. So, in other words, um, I've never had to bring any other birds in here because... Um, once the pairs are there, they're stable for about you know, as long as they breed, you know, up to 12 years or 15 years or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So by bringing other birds in here, um, you know, like uh, when you don't have to bring them in, if your birds are going, well, um, you, you've got a good strain right through. And uh, with having the three Harrison lines and the two McLean lines, every now and then, you know, if, if, if I wanted to experiment just to... For, for the real long ones, I'll, I'll cross the McLean over a Harrison and uh, just to fly them, you know what I mean? And, yep, uh, yep. I'll tell you what, it's it, it stayed off because uh, the, the McLean's got a little bit more strength. The Harrison's a little bit smaller than the McLean and um, what it does, it, it just gets a bit more strength in them to do them real long hauls, you know? Yep, yep. The Harrison's are good, you know, up to, say, 600 mile, but if you want to go 700 mile, let them McLean say... They're very good over very long distances, you know. Um, what do you think about the way the sport is sort of uh, the direction it's going in? Do you think, for example, that we got uh, there's more of an emphasis on short middle distance racing compared to long distance compared to say 30 years ago? Yeah, well, I suppose everyone's after a dollar now, you know, and they're, like they're more worried about money races and all that sort of stuff too. But the thing is, with a lot of the one-off races, we had uh, one-off race up here, uh, went on for quite a few years, and it was very successful, you know, from about 600 kilometres. Yeah. And um, the the only difference is that we had to actually have a yarn to the bloke running the show because uh, there wasn't too many birds coming through because he wouldn't go past 100 kilometres. Right. He was giving them quite a few 100k ones, you know, like half a dozen or so, and then dropping them into 600k, and he was getting birds through and everything, you know, you know that sort of thing, but we, we just said, said to him there once, you know, like, we, we're wasting a uh, lot, lot of people putting a lot of birds into it, and uh, how about putting them up the first race point, which is 230k's, do your 100k's, jump into the, you know, with the race birds, yeah. let them go just after the race teams go up, and yeah. which he did, and um, by going the 200k's just, just with one hitter up, just before the week before he sent them, he got nearly 90, 99% of returns from 600 Ks on the day and everyone was happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and uh, uh, yeah. It's just, it's, uh, like uh, you can under-prepare a bird not to get many birds home or you can prepare them properly and get nearly all of them home. Yep, yep. So they need to be uh, pretty much uh, worked. You can't jump them uh, well, so much. Well, you've got, to, you've got to have them at least halfway to your race point to get them up. Yeah, yeah, you know I mean? yeah. To start them off with, you know? 
I guess it's like any sport, isn't it? You can't expect a, a boxer who, who trains um, for short periods to go to go the full uh, all around. So, well, that's it. I, I was a boxing trainer for twenty five years, and mm. up here, and I had professionals and amateurs, and we had a very we had one of the biggest boxing troops out. Everyone wanted us to go to the tournaments because we made the match for them. You know, we we'd have a dozen blokes on on the card at night. You know, so. Um, you know, I had a lot of heavyweights here, and uh, my heavyweights were um, they were representative for New South Wales to go to Queensland for state origin and that sort of thing. You know what I mean? To fight against the Queenslanders every yeah. time state origin come up, or or if they wanted one in Tasmania or wanted one somewhere else, you know, they'd get on to us to send them a heavyweight, you know, and because um, we had uh, quite a few of me <laughs> at the time. But anyway, you, if, you, if uh, people. Exactly the same training, greyhounds, trotters, or no matter what it is, pigeons or human beings, exactly the same way in your training methods. Um, you, you get them up to a, a fitness, it takes three months to get a human being ready, it takes nearly three months to get a pigeon ready yep. for its first toss. And then uh, uh, sometimes I've cut it short by, you know, like uh, I had the birds flying for 25 minutes there once, and I had one month to go. Uh, we started racing in June, and I, I bred me birds in March. Yep. They were yep. only just on the wing, and uh, and I wasn't going to fly that year, and I, I decided to fly them. I had 70 birds there by March, and um, I had one, by the time they were on the wing in, in that month, uh, the month after March, um, I had one month to get them to the first race, so I trained them every day for a month, except on the 100k tosses. Um, they went every day for, for three weeks virtually, and then on the last two, I'd give them a couple of days in between the 100k ones. And I jumped oh. straight in that, that year, and we had three races from the one point right through virtually, and I knocked off two of the three races with them birds. Wow, wow. Because uh, they were late breads, but um, you can do it either way, but you, you've got to keep them in the basket. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's the only yeah. way you can do it. You you got to get them up to a peak. Now, once you get them up to a peak, you you, you and you get them to your first point. We were 230k, but once you get them through the 230 and say 300k, you know you, you train them up to that 100 kilometres uh, while you get them through that period. Once you get yeah. them up to 300k, you can come back to 50k. Don't go any further than 50k for your leftovers each second week or whatever you run them. Yeah, and and, uh, and then once you get up to uh, about 600k, you come back to 20k's, and don't yep. go over 20k's because you can burn your birds out and yep. sap all the energy even before you send them. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you do less training and more feeding. Yeah, yeah. As you're getting out further, less training and more feeding. So if your birds aren't flying around the lot for you after they've just done 300k or whatever. And they're not flying. It's part of the reason why they're flying all their body weight off in that six hours or seven hours they've been in the air. Yep. And and they won't fly until they get the body weight back in. So you, if you don't feed your birds up heavy and really pump the food in, this is where that bread comes in, Andy, I was talking about earlier. It, you know, I mean, give them the bread, give them more safflower, give them everything they want, you know. I mean, feed by the eye a bit, whatever they're picking out of that food. Yep. And, and really pump the food into them because they won't get fat, all they do is get their weight back onto where it should be, 
and then they'll start working for you again. They'll even shine up again. They'll glow up. You can t- tell that they're ready because, uh, you know, their feather in, like gets shiny and um, glossy and and uh, you say, well, these birds are ready to toss again. So you, you take them out and give them a couple of 20k tosses and then whop them straight back in the race again. And by doing only 20Ks, they're doing virtually a sprint. And then they come home, just let them do whatever they want to do when they come home. They might do half hour, they might do an hour. Put them in, feed them up for the day, and that's the end for the day. Don't push them out in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just save them all the time without burning them out, because they can get burned out like a human bean can get burned out. If you get burned out in your birds, like they're overtrained, um, it, like uh, the energy level drops off and then they drop off themselves when you put them in. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. So in your opinion, you think most people burn them out? Well, they do when they get the long ones. They say, oh, geez, we've got to go to 500 miles this week. we better get them out 100 miles or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, so They go yep. the opposite of what they should be doing because they don't know anything about fitness. Yep, and yep. This is where... Yeah, we've been getting a boxer ready for a fight. You don't burn him out in the last week. You do a bit of heavy work early in the week, sparring and all that sort of stuff, get it out of the way, and then you start tapering down. You know? Yep, 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 yep. And all that sort of stuff, bit of time and mitts. And, well, with the pigeons, it's exactly the same thing. Just prior to you send them in that week, give them a couple of 20K tosses, which only a sprint, you know, 15-minute fly or whatever, and then um, just on your line of flight and... Uh, and let them do what they want to do at home. Let them have, lay around and have a bath. It doesn't matter what. Just let them relax a bit and, and really feed them up. And, um, and, but you've got to keep their food in them all the way through to keep them up. Like uh, after they've been, say if you've done a 400-mile race and it's taken eight hours to fly or seven, eight hours, whatever they've been on the wing, might be ten hours, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. If you pick them up and feel them after they've done that, they've, they've skin and bone. They've, they've taken all their weight off them. Yeah. Now, yep. so what you, you're concentrating doing, you start feeding the feed in them, I mean heavy, and uh, just let them out in the morning to have a stretch and a bath. They always want to have a bath the next day, so put the bath dish out with the Condi's crystals or whatever, and and um, I keep Condi's in mind, it keeps the lice and everything off them, and uh, you don't have to lice them, you know? Yep. But, um, yep. I use the Condi's, and it doesn't hurt them to clean them out if they get a mouthful of that, you know, they swallow a bit of it, and... But just let them, for that first week and a half, feed them up, just let them out around your loft. And, yeah. and if they don't want to fly, don't hunt them. Because yeah. uh, if you start hunting the birds to make them fly when, before they're ready, you're not you're going to take the bit of weight off that they're trying to get back on. And, and, and by the time they're ready to go back in that crate for that long race, you haven't got that weight back on them, so they're going to drop out of that sky about three or 400 mile out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The weight's the most important thing, and don't overtrain them. Like, as I said, they do virtually nothing for a week and a half to two weeks. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, and, and then it's just that last week, just before you send them, give them two short tosses. To dump. You could do it on the day you send them. If they're in the crate for two days, you could give them one then and one back two days earlier than that, or two days in a row. It doesn't matter. And uh, but everything's feeding, you know, and feeding them up heavy, and and before you send them, make sure you chop them right up the night you send them as well. Just on that, on the topic of feeding, um, it does get very controversial with a lot of people. Is there any grain that you consider taboo for long distance racing, or any grain that you would never feed under any circumstances? Mate, I feed a lot. I got a lot in them here, and um, um, and I even give them greens, you know, spinach and. 
you know, a bit of lettuce or whatever I got, you know, they don't mind a bit of greens, and um, especially on hot weather, and uh, plenty of grit in them. And uh, I, I don't go mad on the on the vitamins that much. You know, I don't use vitamins uh, because I, I, I use all the different grains plus the bread, which has plenty of vitamin in it anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What my mix has uh, got everything in it. It's like when you're racing uh, in the winter, it's heavy with corn. Uh, it's got the, um, a lot of safflower, as I said, real heavy with safflower and sunflower and, and oil seeds like that. And then uh, for, for, for getting the weight back on the birds straight away, I use the bread heavy, uh, the wheat, the peas, everything's in that mix. And then you've got the milo in there with it. You've got to have milo. And, yeah. uh, the milo, uh, it's an energy food. Along with the oil seeds and the corn, so uh, all that and the bread's an energy food. They, like if you pop the bread in them, and uh, you wait and see, like they're, they're overactive all the time from eating the bread, and um, that's how you want them. You don't want a, 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 a pigeon sitting on a perch just before you send it away, stuck up on one leg, tucked up. You know what I mean? You want to, you want your birds to be active in the cage. The cockbirds should be bashing the crap out of each other. Yeah, before they're ready to go, and the hens are all jumping up, running around the place too, and sticking their chest out. You know what I mean? That's how well, you watch your birds. If they're like that, they're ready to race. You know? It yeah. kind of makes sense what you're saying. It's very logical because it's um, it's pretty much pure energy, similar to what marathon yeah. uh, runners do with with pasta. You know, platefuls of pasta. Yep. Yeah. Well, we used to when we took the boxing troop everywhere. My wife would make the sandwiches for them. It was bread for energy and pasta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pasta sandwiches. Yeah. Uh, no milk or anything like that because it used to cut the wind and just straight water, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really, really interesting. Gents, I think I've exceeded my quota of questions tonight. <laughs> yeah, mate, yeah. Well, well uh, I was trying to answer the best way I could there, but... It, it all comes down, if you can help the young flyers, or any flyer, no matter what, what age they are, to, to have a real good season, I mean, so they don't lose too many pigeons and um, and, and, and get them a clock and, you know, have, have a few spare clocks there to give out and things like that and really encourage them, you know, give them half price for their bird for the first year and, and half price for their funds and all this sort of stuff, um, you, your club will grow, you know, and then once they get on their feet after a year or two and... They win a few races or whatever, or get a few places, and um, you won't hold them back. They'll stop there. That's absolutely right. Um, there's two stages with new members. There's the referring of the new members. In other words, um, giving club details so they can join, call up uh, the secretary, what have you. But there's the second stage is the retention, retaining the new flies, and I think that's where we really drop the ball because um, you can refer as many new flies as you want. If, if they don't get the help that they need, they're not going to stick around, are they? Well, a lot of blokes won't let the secrets out, right? I'll, yeah. I'll spill the beans because um, I've been there, done that, and I'm 72, Nelly, and, uh, you know, like, uh, I, I want to give back. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, every, every, every lot of birds that I've been sending to anyone, I tell them all my secrets out of flying. Yeah, yeah. And I tell them yeah. if they've got any problem, ring me up and ask any questions any time they like, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I remember... I want my birds to do well wherever they go, but I don't want people starving them down and all this sort of stuff so they don't do any good. 
Yeah, I was talking to a bloke there the other night. Um, he said he only feeds his birds once a day, and I said, well, it won't work with these birds of mine. I said, you better get out before you go to work in, in the dark in the morning with a torch and fill them trays up before you leave so they've got enough food in there to have a morning food and a lunchtime food before you get home at 3 o'clock. Yeah. yeah. Them out and then feed them again after they've done their work. I've come across uh, new flies who have become really unstuck over really, really simple things. Like I remember one guy was feeding his birds canary seed. Yeah, yeah. Um, As I said, I got uh, I, I got a bag of uh, beach face there. It, like it's a canary seed, uh, budgie seed, or whatever, all in one. And uh, I put one dipper of that in in my pigeon mix every day. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because that small seeds. Uh, the millet's got a lot of protein in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was told off of, uh, the blokes at the grain uh, place that uh, the millet's got more protein than any other grain. Mm, mm, mm. That's what you want. It doesn't hurt them to have a bit of millet. And, uh, and, uh, but as I said, I, I use it because it's got the sunflower in it as well. Uh, yeah. I don't buy the sunflower because I don't want to overdo it with the sunflower. I just... Whatever sunflowers in that mix, in that one dipper, that's all the sun, sunflower they get every day. Yeah, yeah. You can over-oil seed them with that heavy stuff, with sunflower, and that, you get a cockatoo in a cage and feed it sunflower all the time, it'll, it'll lose all its feathers. Wow. wow. So they, it's too much oil in their system, and they drop all their feathers, they mold out all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you don't want to go over, over it with sunflower because it's got quite a bit of oil in them. But the safflower is a different thing. Yeah. Uh, safflower, like uh, when you're racing, or, or they, they'd pick the safflower straight out as soon as they got home. They'd eat safflower first up. And I'd come out and I'd, I'd stuff some uh, safflower in them as much as they wanted. Yeah. I'd go out with a bucket there. And I, I, was doing, I was doing a big bag, like a 50-kilo bag, like, uh, uh, you know, like uh, a huge bag of safflower. I'd do a couple of them in a race season, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, with um, with training, I know some people are very keen on headwind tossing. Other people they don't mind, and others like to sort of mix and match. Do you have any particular views on that? Oh, mate, it, I, I wouldn't toss on crappy weather too much. You don't want to lose your birds, but no, um, I've tossed on windy days and this sort of stuff. Um, only if it's short, you know, and. Uh, but the thing is, once you get them off, once you get the birds going, I'll drive out 100 k's and the wind's been blowing like anything. It's blowing the trees over nearly, and I'll put them up because it, uh, once they're well drilled and they're only 100 k's away, instead of taking an hour to come home, it might take them an hour and a half or two hours. If they've yeah. got a point or headwind, well, it won't hurt them, yeah. And while that wind's blowing like that, it keeps the hawks down. The hawks won't come up that day either. Yeah, yeah. You won't get the perigans on a windy day, you know, as much yeah. as you do on a still day. Yeah, yeah. Now, you'll get a good toss, but they just take a bit longer to come home. Uh, they go down low, they go down right out of the wind, they go down just skipping over fence posts and, you know, feet lines of fences and trees and whatever, they, they get down right out of it. And uh, when they're down like that, you haven't got the perigans annoying them too much because um, they're sitting up in a tree somewhere because they won't hunt on a real windy day too much. Uh, another question. Look, I, I can go on all, all night asking questions, but I'll ask it my, my last question. As a long distance man, when birds are liberated, nine hundred k's, a thousand k's, do you actually think the birds know how far away they are from home, or do you think they just keep going until they get home? 
Well, because I'll, I'll tell you, one thing I have worked out, if, if I fly all my birds in, in like mix, right? They're mixed all the time. Yeah. Now, what I've found, when you come up with them long ones, they're mainly made it up, and uh, which I don't mind. Some of them will have eggs, you know? yeah, which yeah. I don't mind. Uh, if, if they've got eggs, what you do, you... you Kick them out for a week. The bird with the eggs, you throw them out. I, I know they'll come straight down, and go back in. But um, after they've got over it, after about a week, put them in the crate. You know, just take them to work with you every day or something. While the other ones are working, you yeah. just take them for a fly and toss them out. You know, and uh, you take them, pluck them off the eggs and whatever. And but what it does, if they got eggs or they got a nest spot in your cage and they made it up before prior to you send them. They bust their bum to get home from them five, six hundred mile races, seven hundred mile. They want to get home. I, I won by an hour and a half from Morella there once. I plucked the hen off an egg. Uh, yeah. She had two eggs, and I tried single tossed her for for the last week, uh, just from twenty k's. Give her a bit of a sprint home. I knew she'd go back straight on her eggs, but it kept her up. And yeah. uh, she bowled it in. She left everything for dead on that seven hundred mile race for for an hour and a half. You know. And I guess what. I guess what I'm getting at is, if you liberate a bird 100 k's, does that bird know that it's 100 k's from home? And if you liberate a bird from 1,000 k's, do you think they know that they're 1,000 k's from home? Or do they just... They go off, they work, they work off a star pattern. Yeah, this is something that, uh, you go down a well, right, on a, on a sunny day, and you look up from in a well up, you can see the stars. Now, right. pigeons, have got, pigeons have got a better eyesight than us. And yeah. they can see the star pattern all the time. They know where they're situated under their star system and where they are. That's why I've had a lot of night flyers here in the pitch black drop down and crash from me trees and everything to hit the loft yeah. in the night. Now, there's no way in the world, though, from over 500 mile races, now, there's no way in the world them pigeons, I've got no lights where I am. I'm 14 kilometres from the nearest town. It's pitch black nights, and I've had that happen heaps of times. Now, they go off the stars. They know if you get an overcast day with blanket cloud, you'll lose more pigeons on that day than any other day because they can't read where the stars are. You yep. just go off sight that day, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. From 100k to 700k, uh, 700 mile or 600 mile, they before they let out and they're looking at that, they're looking out. That they look where that star pattern is and they know exactly where they are. They're like swallows or anything. Yeah, you know, with migrating birds. Yeah, I ask you that question because. A lot of uh, people who have liberated pigeons from the distance have said that the birds seem to behave differently. They seem to sort of want to uh, expend as little energy as possible and just and they know what's ahead of them and they, they don't even circle. They just, not in every race, but in a lot of races, they just go straight line for home. Yeah, they do. Well, if you're training your birds properly, by doing them always pre tosses just before you send them from 20k right so if you give them a couple of 20k's that week leading up so or even three of them which i've done a lot um and on the line of flight they don't know but they just straight out of that crate and they climb as they're going home by the time they got home they got a bit of altitude you know what i mean yeah 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 they they get used to that and they're not then if you train them on the line of flight all the time don't confuse them too much as soon as they're let out of anywhere, you, you 
seen them on that line of flight. They'll just head directly the right way, straight, without circling, and work it out as they go. And then they work it out, as I said, off that star system. They know yeah. where they are. I've, I've taken them out on blanket cloud days, and it's been raining and that, and I've got them out there, and I said, oh, well, I've come out here now, I'll let them go. And there's been a little bit of blue sky in an opening somewhere. The birds have gone off, off, off the line of flight and flown right over to that blue sky area. And you see them go over there. Next thing they're over there for a while. Next thing they, they know, they just all they've got to do is see a bit of the, the blue sky up above them and they work out straight away where they are. And next thing off they go. You know, they, they know where they are. You know, uh, uh, nearly all the big losses is on blanket cloud. You shouldn't let them up on a blanket cloud day. Actually, that's when you have big losses. Yeah. You're a, a walking, talking, uh, mobile encyclopedia on pigeon racing. <laughs> I raced them for 60 odd years, I had to learn something. <laughs> I started as a 10 year old in a junior club, yeah, and uh, we, we had the, the old um, the tin Lizzie clocks then. You put your rubber in and it started the clock. As soon as you pressed the button, you had your rubber in, it actually yeah. started the clock, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been fascinating talking to you. Uh, I'll let Ivan uh, have, have, a, have a go as well because I'm sure he's got heaps of questions. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks very much for uh, for uh, asking. Uh, what I've tried to answer him the best I could, but I haven't even had a beer. There you go. Great talking to you, Dennis. Thanks very much. Well, Dennis is not going yet. Dennis. Taz is not going to go anywhere because he, he might think of something else. Now, there were some really good questions there, Taz. Well done. Um, Thanks, Joe. Well done, mate. For all your pigeon requirements, head to Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies. We make our own range of pigeon carry baskets, bird breeding cages and boxes. We're one of Melbourne's largest suppliers of quality seed, feed and more. You'll find health supplements, minerals and grits for pigeons and other breeds. Visit Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies at our retail shop in Apex Court, Thomastown, or phone 9464 2439. Southern FM sponsor. Keep your pigeons healthy with Applied Nutrition Australia, number one for all-in-one bird supplements. Tummy Right for Pigeons is a nutritional supplement for racing pigeons to support proper functioning of the gastrointestinal tract. The Applied Nutrition range of products is made in Australia and sold factory direct to you. For top quality products formulated by Australia's leading animal and avicultural nutritionist, visit appliednutrition.com.au. Southern FM sponsor. Your one-stop produce and farming supplies. Tara Meat. We get racing pigeons racing, horses racing, cattle and poultry feeding. All racing pigeon products and supplements available. We also have live poultry sales. Tara Meat stock feed and farming supplies. 1227 Holden Road, Tulin Vale. Open seven days a week. Telephone, Peter, on 0484-340-551. Southern FM sponsor. Natural Pigeon Products are the Australian distributors for Rhonefried Pigeon Products. Rhonefried, a German-based company, is a leading manufacturer of world-class, premium, European racing pigeon products that will help you maintain your racing pigeons in a health all year round. Contact Natural Pigeon Products on 035-998-1000 and pigeonvitality.com.au Southern FM Sponsor. 
Pigeon Racing Victoria presents the Victoria Cup 2023. With a guaranteed first prize of $100,000, Australia's biggest race is on again, this time from Cobar, New South Wales. Sign up now for the Victoria Cup. It's on Sunday the 24th of September 2023. Rings are $100 each with one free ring for every 10 purchased. For details, visit pigeonracingvictoria.com. Southern FM sponsor. Medication. How much medication do you use? Well, mate, I don't use any here. Um, we, we did use it this year because there, there was um, a bit of uh, there was a few strays and that dangled into someone's lock there somewhere, and they got a bit of um, uh, the, the, the the dreaded um, you know uh, what the COVID disease. We don't get it here, but uh, you get it in the city and that quite a bit. Um, uh, the one where they spew up and whatever. Yeah, that's the rotavirus. Rotavirus. Rota. I call it COVID. Someone got that in their loft, and uh, so we all vaccinated for that disease. And um, and uh, you now, like um, we've done that early, and um, the, uh, that's the first time we ever vaccinated up here. We we don't normally vaccinate. I just tell everyone whatever's. You know, you've got to do in your club, just do what you've got to do, you know, if you've got to vaccinate them for that one or any other. Or pigeon box, I don't get pigeon box here either, I get nothing here, you know, because like, I'm isolated here and our, cl- our club up here, no, no one had that in the club here or any other disease, you know. Um, so we are pretty clean up this way, so... But um, the thing is, um, uh, if you don't do them... Um, they'll get it anyway, you know, if you've got it in your club and your, in your trucks and whatever, through the water and whatever. So you better off vaccinating for what you, your pigeons are going to get in the, in, in the, you know, if you're flying in the, the big feds and whatever, you know. So once your birds uh, start drinking and eating, eating on the truck, when they return home, you don't medicate them at all? No, no medication, don't give them nothing. You know, as I said, I... With all, with all the food I give them here, I don't worry about even vitamins because I give them everything that's got yeah. uh, the vitamin in it, you know? Yes, yes. Okay. So, so I, I don't... Um, no, I never ever vaccinated. We've done years ago, someone bought pigeon pox into the, into the club through some sales we had here, so we've done pigeon pox there one year. Okay. But, but um, we, we're not, we don't get into it here. Don't knock, like the birds don't get knocked around through... If you keep whopping them with a heap of drugs they don't need, you're going to knock their immune, their natural immune system around. Yep. And uh, and and when you know, like uh, they're a lot healthier bird by not giving them whatever they don't have to have, sort of thing. So, yeah. uh, but if you're in a club where you you're constantly getting them sort of things, you might be better off vaccinating. You know. Yeah, that's it. So when the birds, your birds, do come home from. Uh, sh- you know, long-distance race or whatever, um, what do you give them when the birds return in the well, water? I give them a lot of small seed, like, um, like um, as I said, safflower. They go mad on safflower, and, and, uh, and I'll give them the bread. They whop into that bread, mate, with nice, fresh bread, and, yep. uh, and, uh, and the millet, like um, that yep. beach face or uh, whatever, um, just small grains. They pick the milo out, too, and uh, they won't touch any big grain. Yeah, you know, of like, course. Um, it's just easier for them to digest the smaller stuff first. and But when they cool down and they've sat up in the perch and that for a while, 
they'll eat the bigger grain then, you know. What about in the water? I don't worry about anything in the water. I, I use ball water here, it's straight out of the ball, underground water, and I think it's got a lot of mineral in it, you know, so uh, um, it's, uh, it's nice, clear water and straight from underground, and uh, okay. uh, so it'll have to have minerals and whatever in it, so um, it, 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 it hasn't got any uh, stuff that you put in the water for your teeth or anything, you know, like, like in, in the towns. Yeah. So um, it's all ball water, my water here, and um, the birds unreal. really thrive on it. Unreal. Yeah. Yeah, I just use ball water, and uh, uh, they don't. When I send the birds away, they're quite healthy. I won't put them in a race unless they're right up the peak. And yeah. Say, say if I've got a 20 bird limit and there's two races on, I've got 60 birds in the cage left. And I've got to pick out what's uh, going. For starters, I look at the ones who have got a good track record over them 400-mile races and that. Yeah, like the three and 400-mile, they've come home real well. They might have been your first lot home. Like, I, I write every, all the time down in my books for every bird. Okay. And, and, and them birds are consistent all the way through. I like them birds. They're, they're, they're going to be consistent right on that long one as well, you know. And uh, they're normally, you, a good bird's a good bird. But then you'll get other birds, <clears throat> like especially on the, the distance stuff there, you'll get um, a lot of birds that might be within an hour, within an hour, say over the three and 400 mile, they're just hitting their peak. They mightn't be quite ready at that stage in the three and four, but they'll be really at their peak on a six or 700 mile race. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll just come, because their wing beat's a little bit different than the birds would have beaten them like three and 400 mile. And the, the wing beat mightn't be quite as quick, but um, they, they, they'll go all day where the other birds will start conking out, you know, about 300 miles, 400 miles. Yeah, with a quicker wing beat, you know? So, uh, um, you know, but the, these small little Harrisons, they, they, got a, they can sprint pretty well. They'll do a good time all the time, but if they, as I said, it comes down to how they're looking on the day. I'll, I'll look at them in the pen... And I'll just go along and I'll pick up anything that's shining and it's got bright in the eye and poking the chest out at me. I'll grab okay. them first and, and anything was sitting up in the perch and looks like a bit docile, I wouldn't, wouldn't send it because you're not going to get it home. Let's take a break right there and hear some station announcements and then we have to break for the Southern FM National Radio News and we'll be back with more of long-distance pigeon racing with Dennis Woods from Tanworth, New South Wales after the Southern FM National Radio News. This is DDZ, your captain speaking. Tune in every Wednesday at 2pm. Travel the world, musically speaking, from the Eiffel Tower to the Rialto, from the Colosseum to the Pyramids, from the London Bridge to Golden Gate. Tune in every Wednesday at 2pm for International Caravan with your captain, DDZ. Tis the season to be asking, can I help you out in any way? I'm here for you if you need me. Just checking in. Are you okay? Get free conversation tips for the holidays at ruok.org.au. Now you can listen to Southern FM on the go with Community Radio Plus, the home of Community Radio. The brand new app means you can listen in wherever you are. You'll also discover Community Radio's best podcasts and independent news. 
As well as listening via 88.3 FM, you can now support your community radio station by downloading Community Radio Plus. Get it from Google Play or the App Store today. While you're there, don't forget to leave five stars. Wishing you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This is 88.3 Southern FM. The sounds of the Bayside. You're listening to Pigeon Radio Australia on 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside, Melbourne, Australia. Stop the pigeon, 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 how? Jab him, jab him, jab him. Welcome back to Pigeon Radio Australia, and from all of us here, Tony, Joe and I, we wish you all a Merry Christmas, a safe Christmas and a very blessed Christmas from Pigeon Radio Australia. And now let's go back to our interview with long-distance racing champion Dennis Woods from Tamworth in New South Wales. I, I, picked a, I had a pigeon here uh, from Little Topar a couple of years ago. We flew Little Topar 500 miles. And uh, I had these late breeds, so they'll breed in February, March, and they never mould it out. And uh, and Armadale, uh, like our, our club, sort of pulled up at 400 mile, and they didn't want to fly a long one that year. And um, this is when I bet five years ago it was, and so Armadale said, you can fly the little topar with us, and we'll fly as a combo on or whatever. And so... I had to pick, but they said, we've only got enough room for one crate on each side for you, so you can put 12, up to, say, 12 birds in each side. So I, I had uh, about 40 birds there left over, and I said, well, because I only, I only bred about 60 or something that year, and uh, I said, oh, well, I'll, I'll go through them, and there's one co- little cock bird. He, he, if you put him in a show, he would have won it. He was all shined up, and he's, he was just uh, like silk, his feathers. Okay. A, a real bright eye on him, and I said, geez, he's beautiful, that bird. I picked him up first, and he had a mark across his rump yep. and uh, where he got hit when I tossed him. And uh, I said, oh, geez, I better not send him. So I dropped him out, and I kept picking him up. <laughs> and i come to the end where I got 20, uh, 12 for each race, and I said... Oh, bugger it, I'm going to put that little cockbird in. So I threw him in and pulled one of the other birds out. That little cockbird, he, like, uh, I got two cockbirds on the day from Little Topar, 500 mile. Yeah. And uh, they were the only two birds in the, in the, in the club. Uh, they oh, come in right. about 15 minutes apart, then two little eight breads, and um, they were the only, cock, uh, only birds on the day, actually. Um, and there was about 200 birds went up. That is unreal. But I had a dozen in each side, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they, uh, they had about 200 birds went up in uh, each side, you know, and uh, uh, out of my 12. But when they let them birds of mine go, soon I was flying with another club. Yeah, prior to I put them in that long race, um, we, we, we were flying more west, and they were sort of more sort of south-west, a little topar. So my birds had to change off line. And the bloke who took them out there said, I've, I've never seen it before in my life. He said, when I let them birds go, he said there was about a dozen birds broke off out of the bunch and headed south. Okay. Well, they must have been mine and the winning birds. Oh. 
There you go. Yeah, they would not fly with that bunch because they were going the opposite way to what they were trained to do. There you go. But they 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 must have got onto the right winds because there was a howling. Uh, it was a bit of a, uh, a nor'westerly blow on that day, a real strong one, and um, the birds were sort of coming south-west, and it was sort of they had to cut into it. So then birds are going down right around the coastline, then they come up the back of me, and uh, they flew 1400s. Like there were one of them flew 1400s, the other one was about 1300s, and I got them on the day, and the boys never got them in Armadale to the next day. That is such a good effort. Yeah, yeah, well, they have, for, for late breed set, and as I said, they still had their baby feathers, so, um, you know, and they were two little cockbirds, that's what I was saying, I put yeah. half hens or half cocks in, yep. and the cockbirds left the hens behind because it was a hard day uh, in pushing into the wind. Okay. Yeah, that's where, as I said, if you don't just put cocks in one week and hens the next, if you, get, you, know, if you can help it, put a mixture in of half of each. And that, that way you'll cater for whatever weather it is on the day. A lot of people call cockbirds space invaders. Uh, mate, I'll tell you what, I've won a lot of big races with my cocks and uh, uh, and a lot of good races with the hens as well. But I've, I've had probably uh, half and half of wins with hens and cocks both. Yep. Because my cockbirds are only the same size they're in anyway virtually. Yeah. They're only a little bit bigger. Yes, you know? yes. There's a lot of blokes think the you know they like uh, uh, they say well geez, your cockbirds are small and um, uh, I don't like big cockbirds you know yeah yeah look I I agree I I do well with uh, cockbirds as well and um you know yearlings two year olds I actually I know, I know big cockbirds don't um, what did that fellow in Belgium tell you you need a cock and a hen to make a good pigeon. That's right. You need a cock in the head to make a good pigeon. That's what he said. You're right. Well, nearly every drop I've had, uh, you know, especially especially them ones you get them on the day from over 500. Yeah. There is a lot of cockbirds in the bunch. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and I had 13 from 550. 13 birds stuck together for five 550. I wonder how many was together before the falcons started plucking a few off them on the way through. You know. That's exactly right. Now, you mentioned when you raced there was about 200 birds. Now, do you believe Do you believe that you need a lot of cover when you race? No, mate, no. no. Actually, in our clubs up here, we'd be flat out rounded up. Yeah, we, we had one, one race we had from, uh, I think it was from 700 miles from Longreach. I think there was only 50 pigeons went up. Yeah, see? And then, and then uh, I put 20, I had 20 of them in myself. And I got twenty out of twenty. That's good returns. You can't beat yeah, that. And then, then uh, we we had a lot. Well, we we had different clubs flying with us in combines and yeah. that sort of stuff. And yeah. and uh, you know made the numbers up a bit. You, but you'd only be looking hundred, two hundred birds each time you you put them up from them real long ones because we'd have a double header. See, so everyone would split their birds in two, and they wouldn't put them just in one. So you, you, whatever you had, you put them into both of them. You know, so. Um, but uh, you know, I was pretty fortunate there. Most of the, most of them double headers, I, I won most of the double headers anyway, so it didn't make any difference. But yeah. the um, my birds were just firing pretty well over them distances, and uh, I learned over the years how to feed them properly. Or for or for or for mate of mine years ago, I wasn't feeding properly. Yeah, and this is where the hopper feeding. I learned hopper feeding off him, mm-hmm. and and okay. I learned uh, how to. Um, 
how not to burn your birds out and, and get them prepared. And, and the main thing is for anyone is don't lose too many birds early by jumping them too far out too quick. As I said, do about 20 k, uh, twenty tosses up to 20 k's. Once you get to 20 k's, well, yeah. half of the tosses might be in the 20 k's. You this know? is very but, important. But yeah, this is don't very go important. any further until you get them well drilled, drilled. At least give them half a dozen or six or eight from 20 k before you go any further. Yeah. That, that way, when they get busted out, like out where we fly out here, uh, Sydney dropped 4,000 pigeons out in the Gunnedah, then got 2,000 birds home, you know what I mean? This is this is where I've been tossing. Yes, know? yes. It's full of perigans, you know, and, um, uh, you know, they, they, they got hit that bad out there, they switched uh, course and went over to the coast of Grafton oh, because geez. they couldn't fly up through where we've where, 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 where been racing all the time. We race through there all the time. I think it's the big thing is with perigans, you know? I think the birds need to be confident. They need to have a lot of confidence. Well, you get a small bunch. We've, we've, we've had one birders, two birders, you know, with a dozen birds, you know, and from 400 miles. And, okay. and we just throw them up half an hour after the other birds. They're not allowed to go up with them. We, we make them earn their stripes, you know. They've got to win the race themselves, not, not get any help. Mm-hmm. And, and all their derbies, five-bird derbies, they, they, you know, whatever... Uh, you put in there, they go up half hour different. And yeah. uh, I'll tell you what, you get them little bunches, 20s and 30s and all that sort of stuff, yeah. you'll get more birds home out of them than putting a 1,000 birds up. Because not yeah. all them birds are, um, you know, fit and healthy and, and ready for that race, true? Yeah, yeah, well, what happens? They're a little group and they just get on with the job and they get up high. They, they can see the perigans up ahead and they fly around them and... Uh, but you, you hardly lose too many out of them. But you let a great big bunch of birds up, I mean, a thousand birds or whatever, or two thousand or whatever, or three or four. But like every every perigan in the whole the whole area of hundred mile can see them, and they, they all come in and chop them all around the place like sheepdogs. Yes, so, um, exactly. The smaller the team, the better percentage you'll get to get them away and. Uh, just uh, you know, watch where you're tossing. If you've got hawks around an area, don't toss there. Go somewhere else, you know. And, uh, very important. That's very important. And, and um, around my place, I get them hit here all the time. And if, if, if um, so as soon as you let the birds out, there yeah. might be you know, 10 or a dozen birds take off straight away. They're looking to get out. Next thing, you've got a peregrine straight on their back. Chasing them up the up the road, and all the other pigeons come back in at you hundred mile an hour. You get back back in the cage again. I go out and I say, oh, "I wonder where they are." And you see them chasing these pigeons we took off. So I say, "Right, you're out far enough now." I kick the whole bloody lot out and make them fly. I kick them all out the whole bloody lot out of the cage as they get out of there. Because any bird that don't come out and he don't want to go, he's the one you're going to lose on the next foot toss or, or race. Yeah, because if they've got to be confident with the perigans to be up there with them and to actually work the perigan. Exactly. If they get used to working the perigan, and then after they get used to working the perigan, they'll go looking for them to have a game with them. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've seen that around the house. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, yeah and, and, and you might lose a few birds early when you're breaking your birds. You know, I used to breed about extra 20 birds or 30 birds a year for the perigans here just while I broke my birds in. Yeah, you have but, to. But once they got the age where they got up and got a bit of strength, they, they hardly took a bird off because they couldn't catch them. Yeah, I see. Yeah. And, and when they're on the racetrack, soon they're used to perigans, the blokes who shelled their birds too much, 
and wouldn't you know put them out with peregrines or whatever. They lost all their birds because they 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 were scared of peregrines. There you go. It's common You've sense. You've got to get them used to peregrines. That's it. Otherwise, they won't survive. It's common sense, like you said. You have to sacrifice one or two, but... Um, oh, yeah, and they'll only take your coals. If you've got any coals yeah. in your cage which you feel like chopping the heads off or whatever, leave them alone, leave them in there. The peregrine will take them off and you leave your good birds alone. Exactly, exactly. You don't cull birds because if you cull them, the peregrine will knock one of your good birds. He's got no coals to take, chase. True, very true. So if a bird's that bad, you reckon he's no good, the peregrine will get him anyway. But he'll leave your other birds alone while he's getting him. Exactly. They get a good head start. Yeah, they do. And uh, the cull, you'll see him all the time. If you've got a cull in your, in your cage there, he'll drop out when, they, when they're doing that tight turn and when the peregrines are up him. And the peregrines will pick on him and they'll take him every time. Exactly. And sometimes, not all the time, sometimes that cull makes it home the next morning or, the, or that night. Oh, yeah, yeah. That yeah, that the cull might go down. He yeah. might go into a tree or yeah. someone's backyard or That's whatever. Right. And, uh you know, to get away, but uh, every time you put him up, he'll get cold again. <laughs> exactly, but you've got to send him... Until he gets cold right out. You've you got to send him again, exactly. Yeah, you won't see him for too long if he's doing that, you know, like, um, and there's no point, especially them birds would have been, had their tail and that knocked out of them, I'd keep tossing them. Yeah. I'd keep tossing anything with a tail out of them or a little nick in them, I just, I, I won't... Baby, they got to keep going. You don't you hold know? them back. Yeah, I'll put them in my tosses. I'll keep tossing them on until them flock, till them feathers are halfway up, and I'll throw them back in a race. Yeah. Yeah, because if you leave them at home and they've had a bad experience and you, you sit on them, when you go to use them again, they, they, they remember them hawks. Don't worry about that, and they're not worth too bob to you. Waste of time. Yep, so if you keep them going, they'll get, they'll get confidence back again. And uh, next thing they just forget about the hawks and they do what the rest of them do and dodge around them. Exactly, mate, exactly. Yep, yep. so um, there's no point in baby in them and, uh, and keep them in the crate. This is <laughs> very keep important. Them in the crate, it's the best, best uh, system for anyone, uh, um, you know, early to get them ready to go and uh, keep them in the crate. And um, the blokes who are uh, lazy trainers, they... they they, they lose bird, a lot of birds because their birds aren't as uh, fit and, and uh, what uh, crate training is different than around the loft training. Of course it is. Uh, it's like a boxer, you know, getting ready for a fight. You've got to get in and actually spar. That's right. And uh, the, the pigeons are the same, and that's by tossing them. They're doing all that hard, fast sprinting home at race pace, and it, it, it gets them ready. And if you've got peregrines around your loft, or chasing your birds daily, it does them the world of good because they're flying race pace. Exactly. Yeah? And that, my birds used to fly up to three, you know, you get them three and a half hours, four hours uh, when they're fit and the peregrines would be hunting them back and forth. They'd go away for two hours. You wouldn't see them. How good is That'd that? That'd be away. I, I drove into Tamworth here one day and the peregrines were working in Tamworth. You had to get away from the peregrines out here. Jeez. Yeah, and uh, they chased them back. I, I rung my wife up and I said, oh, I found the pigeons. They're in, in town with the training. And uh, then I seen them hook straight back out with a couple of peregrines after them. They got out to my place and the peregrines wouldn't let them come down, so they'd come back into town with them where I was working. That is but, unreal. Uh, yeah, 14 kilometres away. Jeez. Yeah, 
I had a good year that year. They were super fit then, bro. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they would have been. Even in a sprint race, if you can get your sprinters that fit, it's what, you know, race pace all the time. And blokes don't do work on their sprint team. They'll pull away, even if it's a 100-mile race. By the time they get 40, 50 miles, they're, they're, they're about you know, three or four k's in front. Correct. You know what I mean? It all comes down to fitness. That's how you win your races. 100%, mate, 100%. But the feed's got to go with it. The more work they're doing, the heavier you feed, you feed. Like uh, feed them up and keep the, the food in them to, to do the work. Exactly. Train if heavy, you feed heavy. Your food with this ounce business and throw an handful of food in them all the time, they can't build up properly all the time. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Like I had, I, look, I had, I'll be honest with you. Look, certain system works for other people, but I, I was talking to a good, uh, uh, good friend of mine and he, he, he was just telling me that, um, like, he feeds uh, a fair bit of light mix, you know? Yeah, well, that's all right. With, with sprinting, if you're only into the sprinting game, uh, like a lot of people keep them hungry to yeah. race them, you know what I no, mean? No, this but, is for the long the distance. the thing is, once, uh, if you get a hard, even with sprinting, if you get a hard one, say, from 200 k's or something, like that, and you haven't got the energy level up in them birds through feed, they'll drop out on you. Yeah, You'll no, no. do them, you know? Yeah. No, we were talking about long distance. So he gives them light mix and then he gives them also, you know, other mixes as well. But mainly, you know, he likes to keep them light, he was telling me. Oh, not well, too heavy, mate, not I, too I heavy. I keep mine heavy. Like, my pigeons will never get heavy because they're not built. If you pick my bird up in the hand, you can't feel it. Okay. You, you can't feel it. If you can feel a bird in your hand, they're not distance pigeons. Gotcha, gotcha. Like if they're heavy and you can feel they're heavy, you, there's no way in the world I'll fly a distance. Yeah. A, a distance pigeons, you can't feel it. It's just sitting in your hand light. It's buoyant. And you can't it, feel it. It's got no weight about it. It's very it? buoyant. Yeah. yeah. yeah they're different, uh, different kettle of fish. Uh, they're, they're built to go for, you know, as I said, a day or two, whatever they got. I had, I, we, we had them come home for a day from 800 miles. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Jeez, you know what I mean? that's and we flew a thousand mile with, with wow. um, up the other side of um, with Brisbane and Toowoomba and all them. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Up from um, Yunter, I think it was called Yunter, up the other side of Mount Isa. Oh, right. And, yeah, Brisbane flew uh, Brisbane flew seven hundred and something mile that day. Same with Toowoomba and Warwick. Yeah, they were all about seven hundred over seven hundred mile anyway, and. We, we, the, the weather wasn't real good. There was quite a few birds went up from everyone all up there, went into all the Gold Coast and, you know, Toowoomba, Warwick, Brisbane and, you know, the other clubs up the coast there a bit and and um, we, we got invited in it from down here, me and a bloke from Gunnedar actually and we uh, the Gunnedar bloke took the birds up for us up to put them through in, in uh, War, uh, Toowoomba. Oh, right, and, okay. Um, I think I put nine birds up. Nine birds into their half and half hens and cocks. And I won, I won a 600 mile race from the out club here from Blackall um, a couple of weeks earlier with a cock bird. And uh, I, put him, I put his brother in into the um, thousand mile race. Anyway, um, the, uh, his brother was the first one I got home. Actually, here, um, uh, they got him up there late second day. Uh, from the 700 uh, into their areas. They all got them late second day, and we didn't get them down here the third day. Oh, okay. Yeah, the late, late, late third day, and yeah, um, yeah. and even when we flew Witten up there, Witten up in Queensland, uh, we, 
that was over, over 800 miles, we never got them to early third day. But when they come in, I had, five, I had a hen first in that race there, and uh, I had five birds come in an Indian file about a minute apart on the on the third day, and you wouldn't think they'd been anywhere after flying, just flying uh, 800 miles. You see? That's because yeah, yeah. that's the way you've prepared them, and that's the type of breed of yeah, birds yeah, you've well, got. Yeah, I had the body weight right on them, see, and they, were, they, they, were, they weren't, they were fresh, they, were, they had the weight on them, and they were fit as a fiddle, you know? Perfect. Perfect. And that's it. If you do that with your birds right through, you hardly lose any birds. Well, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I was getting 19 out of 20 or 20 out of 20 from them five, 600-mile races. That's awesome results. Awesome results. Yeah, yeah. You know? No, you wouldn't lose them if, if you had them right. And, and you got to have the bird to do it in the first place. You know, the, you know, the bird's bred to do it, you know. And I was pretty fortunate. I had uh, birds from every long-distance uh, uh, bloke that were in this club down here was the best long-distance flyers who yeah. uh, I got the birds off. Hearing hearing your returns, you would think that there's no, no falcons where you guys are, but there definitely well, they, must they, be. My birds know how to handle it there again, because right. yes. they're living with them. Yes, they... Yeah, and they, I push them out with them to make them live with them. You they, know what I mean? That's right. They adapt to the falcon. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's I right. kick them out. As I said, I, I, if those birds go back in on me straight away, yep, I kick them straight out again with them. I get get out there, get out and either fly or get taken. I say, that's yeah. it, you know, fly and, or die. Uh, and <laughs> what they do, they get up high. They learn to get higher, higher than them. I've seen them go into the clouds. You know, with the peregrines working right up into the clouds. And yeah, yeah. Then, then they disappear. <laughs> Yeah, because the clouds are this, uh, and then you, you say, I wonder where the birds got to, I can't see them. They're, like, um, they're up in the clouds somewhere, so they've probably gone above the clouds, you That's know. unreal, and, um, unreal. And uh, they come back, but they get used to when the peregrines give up on them after a while because uh, they can't wheel them, because they won't go lower than them, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, gotcha, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. That, that, it takes a bit of, if you've got a couple of experienced birds, like two or three-year-olds in your bunch with your, with your babies each time, yeah, have, have them out with them because I'll teach them all them how to work them peregrines, you know? Teach them all the good habits, yes. Yeah, yeah, and you don't want birds coming down. If they're going down on you, they're, they're going to go down on race day. Yeah, you don't want that. No, no, you won't get them home. You're not going to win a race that way. No, uh, no way. The birds going down on you all the time, so... Uh, as I said, if, if you've got a bird that has a, a like gets hawked, he comes home. Once he's got over it a bit, like all depends where he's got been hit. If it's not too bad, what I do with them, I toss them short. I give them a few days off, and I just take them down the road, just down where they can see aim vertically, and I give them a couple of little short ones. Oh yeah, just to get their confidence, and they're not looking. They bowl home, and they, they then after you do it a few times, and then say so give them a couple of twenty k's the same. Yeah. They don't look for the peregrine anymore. Like um, it's out of their brain, yeah. You know? Like um, you, you, you train it back out of them. There you go. Yeah, and, uh, but if you just leave them there and then get them right and whop them back in the race again, they're looking for the peregrine straight away. Yeah, see. Yeah, you can you can bust them out of that. It's just like a bad habit they break out of, you know. Well, it's up to yourself. If you if you've got time and I'm willing to do that, that's well, you know, you're giving that bird a second chance. Yeah, well, well, you know, every top. Well, I've got to drive in the Tamworth all the time to get something, so I just throw them in a crate and take them in there. Them wounded birds and get them out of looking for peregrines because they just bow away and they don't get attacked and they're right again. Yeah, just to get build up their confidence again. Yeah, they're right again to put back in with the other birds and um, and uh, off you go again. And uh, you know, uh, 
they might be one of your best birds. Of, like they had the, I had one there with a tail knocked out of it, and I, I trained it um, with the two others. Yeah. Like three birds. I was working in Manila, yeah. which is about uh, 50k from me. Okay. And I was going out there every day, and I took them birds every day for a toss out there, yeah. and um, there was four pigeons I was tossing. Yep. Anyway, they just done Charlesville, which is 400 mile, and I was getting them ready for um, we're doing the uh, we're doing Black Hall 600 mile and Longreach 700 mile that year, and I tossed that four birds right, right, you know, every day nearly out there for Manila, and. Um, and they had the tails out of them. They only had stumpy little tails. Like, uh, they looked funny in the air, like they had no tails. Okay. And uh, one of them had half a tail, and the other, the, other, the other couple had the tail knocked right out of them. But anyway, after two weeks, that tail was nearly three-quarter size. Yeah. And uh, I walked them into the 600-mile, and I clocked one of them in, won the race. How's that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, that's um, excellent. Don't that's worry excellent. about, uh, yeah, as I said, uh, don't worry about cover. That's all crap. Cover's crap. And um, we, we fly small teams all the time. We get them through because uh, it's the way you train them. And, uh, it, it, and don't put them up too late in the day. Yeah. Like um, what we try to do here on the long ones, we get up early as possible. Early. Early as possible Earlier before the, the hawks get up with the sun. What about long distance? Yeah, but I'm saying the same thing. Early same. as possible. Okay. They got okay. they put them up as early as possible, just on just after daybreak. Yep. And that way, the perigans come up with the sun, so they come up about eight o'clock or seven o'clock, whenever the sun's up. And if you can get them up before them, say six o'clock in the morning or up past six, they'll get half hour perigan free. And that way, they they know where they are. They're starting to bowl home, and nothing will stop them after they get a good start. Very interesting, very interesting. If you put them up later when the sun's up and the perigans are up on the race, on your release point, mm-hmm. and they bail in on them, they're, they're, they're confusing them before they start. They push them, they might push them 100 mile off course. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay. He's right. So early, early as possible, beat the perigans because they come up with the sun. Yeah. And, and if, they, if they are up, they're only hunting low anyway. And, you know, they're only hunting around the way, you know, like uh, birds feeding on the ground or whatever. Yes. and um, But you put them up, say, 9 o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock in the morning, the periods are let, the sky's full of them, you yeah? know? You're not so, wrong So there. the bird can get up and he can get up high, way up above them, and you, you get a better run with them small teams. Which is good. Yeah, and we, 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 we never miss their getting birds. We always got our birds, you yeah? know, and we got plenty of them, yeah? Yeah. See, that's good, really good. Can I, let me ask you something. Now, everyone trains different. Do you think training online is an advantage or disadvantage, like for other guys that train o- offline? Well, well, we we had blokes here, you know, whopping them all over the place too. It doesn't make any, you know, it, it doesn't make the pigeon any brainier. You know, all it does confuse them a bit. Like, I found if you keep them online, and um, that way, as soon as they come out of that race crate, yeah, they'll go ahead exactly the way you're training them all the time. Correct. They'll, they'll bust straight off there, and then they, they, they might fly for 100k or something, and then they say, where am I? I'm down this one. They start working around as they're going. But if you keep mixing them up all the time, they don't know where they are because they'll, they'll circle and everything because they don't know where you've dropped them next time. You know what I mean? Like um, they might do two or three circles before they go, 
Well, that two or three circles could get them hit with a pelican. Yeah, true. Very true. You, know, you want them just going straight out the crate, straight on. And if you keep training them on the line of flight, as soon as that door comes, every time I toss my birds, they just head straight. Perfect. Straight on the line of flight, back to my place. Perfect. It doesn't matter if I'm up 100k or whatever tossing them, they, they just go straight, they know where they are, you know, and they, they just said the way I've been training them. All these one percenters make a big difference on race day. All these little yeah, well, one percenters. They get a good start, see, and uh, if they're on line before they start, mm-hmm. well, you're halfway there. Exactly. Exactly. You, know, you don't want them offline. You don't want them heading uh, the wrong line, you know, before they start. Because if they're running a bit of trouble there, they could get pushed offline further. The next thing, you you get big losses, you know? Yeah, which we don't They overshoot you, or they, um, I had a bird, I had a bird, uh, we let that birds from St. George in Queensland there, um, it was about uh, 400 k's or something or other to here, and, and, um, uh, I got 19 out of 20 that day, and I won that St. George race, but I had one bird missing. Yeah. And I said, that was a good bird, I wonder what happened to that. That bird overshot, and went over the coast, must have hooked up with Sydney's pigeons that day. Yeah. And uh, it went right down through Sydney, and it ended up on the, the most southernest point in Victoria <laughs> on the second day. Probably Gippsland or somewhere, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right down there. In yeah, two yeah. days it got there. Jeez. <laughs> that's, from, that's from it's in George in Queensland. That's unreal. <laughs> unreal. It's three states. Wow. You see? So, so, you know, and he said, oh, um, she said, birds down here, how to get, I said, well, I lost it from St. George, <coughs> and, uh, yeah, yesterday. And uh, so it must have flew over 500 miles that day, down there, and yeah. uh, flew extra couple hundred miles the day after, you know, ended up about seven, eight hundred mile trip had done. Unbelievable. And he said, oh, you know, how, how do you want to get it back? I said, well, just keep it and bird out of it, you know. Too, bit, bit too hard to get it back, you know, but he would have been a good bird, so he would have bred some good squeakers there. He would have been a happy man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. But, but that's what I'm saying. If they're off course, they, they can go that far off course. They, they just yeah. panic and they push the foot down and they, they could end up anywhere, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that's what happens with a lot of the birds. They, uh, they, 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 they start, once the perigans are in, they panic a bit. But if you get a good start on the day, and they, they get half an hour on the perigon or an hour before they get hit, they don't care anymore. They know where they're going, and they just flatten it for it, you know? Oh, what? Even if it's a day's fly or a day and a half's fly. Yeah. Same thing. What, what? Once, they, once they know where to go and which way they've got to go, they don't... That, that, the worry's out of it, you know. They just you won't lose many birds. Exactly, like you said, you pretty much lose the dead wood earlier on, and once uh, once they've gone, you've got yourself a good strong team for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah well, keep keep your coals in there, as you yeah. said, because the perigans around your lot going to take them, or or your first few tosses, they'll if the perigans get in, I'm not weed them out anyway. And uh, but yeah. if you start killing birds here, there, and everywhere, well, um, they're going to hook into them good birds you want for later on. Exactly. And look, I'll tell you something. I don't know. I don't care how good a person a, a flyer is. You can't, a flyer can't go to someone else's place and say, that's not a good bird. That's not a good bird. Get rid of the grizzle. Get rid of the red. You know, that's to me is rubbish. You know what I mean? Yeah, just leave them in there. Leave them in there. Exactly. Exactly. I had one bloke come to my place many years ago say, oh, mate, I'll pick out your 600 uh, team. He picked five birds and they go, just. I get rid of all these reds and grizzles and blue bars and I just pick 
Oh, I just want the blue checkers and the and the blue bars. So he picked out five nice hens. And um, the next, when we had the, the 600, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And uh, boom, here comes this grizzle over the top of my roof, right? And um, I rang him up. I gave him half an hour. I rang him up. I said, did you got it? You got one? He goes, what do you mean? We're not going to get him for another couple of hours. I go, well, I've clocked. And he kept saying rubbish, rubbish. He didn't say rubbish. Yeah, well, he that, said that, something the else. The colour of the birds got nothing to do. I've exactly. got a lot of whiteys. I bird to go out of them. Um, uh, McLean said they shoot it. Like the old McLeans used to be old pure whites, apparently, like years ago. And, yeah. And uh, they threw, still throw an odd white. Nearly, I'd nearly get a pure white every now and then. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, but, that, you know, it's like a white grizzle or something, you know, like yeah, a bit of yeah. black in the tail or whatever, but on the points of the, you know, the wings and whatever, but yeah. or a couple of spots on the neck or something. But you get a, a throwback every now and then. And I sold some birds to a bloke down in... Um, in uh, uh, ACT down there, like uh, Canberra. Yep. And there was five blokes. Five blokes got birds off me that year, and uh, I, I sent a, a race team down to each of them to race. And I, I, one bloke asked for McLeans and that, and I give him all these dark checkers and whatever that I had there, like from the McLeans, and and uh, they got into their long race. They they flew up. Um, I think they said it was nearly six hundred miles or something. And uh, on their last race, and I got a phone call off him, uh, the, the, like he was president of the club at the time, this chap, and he said, yeah. uh, guess what? He said, your bird just won the long race. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and I said, oh, that's good. I said, what? No, he said, that's not all. That's not all. I said, well, <laughs> what happened? What else happened there? And he said, we got, yeah, the blokes, well, the other blokes got the birds too. We got up to the five place in first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. Oh, that's Good unreal. Birds. That is unreal. But, but one of the blokes put some down to stock, some of these McLeans. You know, oh, right, so he didn't race them. Race. He did, yeah, yeah, okay. And uh, he better than he pure white. He said, they're not McLeans. He's bloody white come out of them nearly. <laughs> 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 he said, like he never went into the history of them. And, um, That's a throwback. Anyway, uh, I had blokes coming here getting them pure whites off me just for, to put them, because every time you get a throwback like that, they breed very well. Yeah, you put them back to stock. Yeah, straight into yeah, the yeah, stock. They might stuff. never throw a white again, them birds. Them whites might throw a white. They might just throw back, you know, dark checks or checks or blue bars or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And um, but you get a throwback every now and then. You can tell off the toes on the birds if they don't throw white. Anyway, you throw the white toe on them. You know, Dennis, white would you? Toenail. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Would if you put got a white toenail? You'll get yeah. a bit of white in them somewhere. Okay. Would you put an untried pigeon? It's straight into stock. I'll put an untried pigeon if it's out of my champion bird. Yes. 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 That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, I wouldn't put any anything uh, what hadn't been tried in there unless yeah. Um, yeah. unless it was out someone's champion bird. You know what I mean? I, I wouldn't put an untried. I, I fly all my birds every year. Yes. And, and the survivors who do the long races, they go on the stock case, especially the winners, you know? Yeah, of course. But the, yeah. the ones who didn't win, they go back the following year. So, yeah, okay. So, um, in other words, the strongest get into the stock case, and if you keep breeding out of winners all the time, they produce winners. You can't win, exactly. That's how they do it in Europe. Isn't that right, Ivan? Yep. 
That's how they do it. Um, Yellow Drops is now available in Australia and distributed by Natural Pigeon Products. The authentic Yellow Drops is a product used by the great champions in pigeon racing for decades. They eliminate almost instantaneously, naturally, the fungi, trichomonas and bacteria existing in the upper digestive and respiratory system. To order your Yellow Drops now, call Natural Pigeon Products on 035 998-1000 or FM sponsor. Your one-stop produce and farming supplies. Tara Meat. We get racing pigeons racing, horses racing, cattle and poultry feeding. All racing pigeon products and supplements available. We also have live poultry sales. Tara Meat stock feed and farming supplies. 1227 Holden Road, Tulin Vale. Open seven days a week. Telephone, Peter, on 0484-340-551. Southern FM sponsor. Flyright is a nutritional balancer product designed to assist racing pigeons to reach their racing capability and potential. Flyright contains a number of natural ingredients such as prebiotics, herb extracts, oregano, yeast functional fibers designed to increase the number of favorable microflora within the gastrointestinal tract. Flyright is a natural physical barrier to pathogens. Order your Flyright now at appliednutrition.com.au or phone us on 07-3206-2568. Southern FM sponsor. For all your pigeon requirements, head to Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies. We make our own range of pigeon carry baskets, bird breeding cages and boxes. We're one of Melbourne's largest suppliers of quality seed, feed and more. You'll find health supplements, minerals and grits for pigeons and other breeds. Visit Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies at our retail shop in Apex Court, Thomastown or phone 9464 2439. Southern FM sponsor. Pigeon Racing Victoria presents the Victoria Cup 2023. With a guaranteed first prize of $100,000, Australia's biggest race is on again, this time from Cobar, New South Wales. Sign up now for the Victoria Cup. It's on Sunday the 24th of September 2023. Rings are $100 each with one free ring for every 10 purchased. For details, visit pigeonracingvictoria.com. Southern FM sponsor. A big hello to you and a big old Merry Christmas to all Southern FM listeners. Wishing you a wonderful, joyous Christmas and holiday season. Just want to wish everyone a great festive season and a happy new year. Hope you have a Merry Christmas and a great new year. Wishing you a very Merry Christmas. Now, where did you, or your birds originate from? Where did you get, where, where, your first birds, a lot of birds, where did you get them from? Well, I had a heap of crap to start off with, and I was like some of them learning flyers that they were talking about. But earlier, yeah, yeah. You know, when I first started racing yeah. pigeons, you know, um, and then uh, I had, you know, I had a few people felt sorry for us, started giving us a couple of better ones, and okay. um, and, uh, and then then I had uh, I sort of battling along there for the first well, five or six years, I suppose. Yeah. And then uh, when I got to, well, I started when I was 10. When, when I got to around about uh, 15, 16, I knocked my first long race off. Mate, and then what? That, because that I started getting a, a better good. quality birds. Well done. And then uh, then after that, I sort of, uh, I said, well, I'll get rid of the crap. But I, you know, these other ones that can only fly up a couple hundred miles on that. And uh, 
started uh, yeah. going more into the long distance stuff, and uh, I, I got him off the blokes who were winning them sort of races. I had one bloke. He was getting birds over 500 mile all the time. He come up from Ballarat in Victoria. Okay. He you... brought his birds up. He's Harrison's up with him, and uh, Bob Whitaker, his name was. Oh yeah. You know and, that uh, bloke. Ivan? Anyway, uh, yeah. Bob come up here to run the start uh, the malt, malt factory up here. He was the boss of the malt factory. Yeah. And he he was very hard on his birds. He he never he, he never had two teams or three teams going. He used to throw them in every week. Right through the whole program, and he got up into the long ones, and he, he left us all for dead. You see, you know, he was getting birds over five hundred mile on the day, and that, and he, he went away for Christmas there uh, just after he started cleaning us up, and he said, uh, well, "Can you look after me birds for a month for me?" And I, he said, "There's a heap of rings there, ring ring all the young ones when they're big enough and whatever." And anyway, he got back and. Uh, he, uh, he said, I, I don't want to give you any money or anything. He said, listen, you've been battling a bit. He said, I want you to take the whole round there. There's 60 of them. Oh, that's good. <laughs> he said, you could take the whole round of them babies there and uh, take them back. And he said, thanks very much for looking after me birds. And I had the best year. We flew south that year. And um, out of that 60 birds, I had about 30 left. And everyone ran out of birds. We flew down into Victoria. Yeah. And, uh, you know, on the long ones and that, and I, I never picked so many, I've got to, uh, wins and placings and all this sort of stuff, and I bred out of them birds and never looked back. That was one lot of Harrisons that, uh, from Ballarat. Yep. Then there was another, Andy Franklin come up, um, he come up from down there as well, Andy Franklin, he was from, uh, he moved to Gunnedah. And Andy had all these top birds. He was getting you know, three on the drop from over 500 mile and that and clean us up again. And we had a big club back then. And anyway, Andy brought them all over to Tamworth. He went out of me. He went into um, religion, actually. He turned into a priest or a minister or something or other. The story wasn't. Okay. So he brought his birds over, over to old Ernie Hall's place there uh, one night. We we having it meet and then that there. And he said... You can buy whatever you like. He had the cocks in one crate and ends in the others, and no one bought any off him. And I, I took a few pair off him then. Uh, he ended up saying, Look, he take, he said, Dish, you got a good eye. He said, You've got the, all my um, top stuff with I won the long ones with there, them birds you just took. He said, Here, take these ones here too. I want you to have them. So he wanted to eat more in there to me, all the best ones he had there. Oh, good on him. And, uh, I took them home and they were the foundation. Then old Ernie himself, where we was, he was a good mate of Knoblock. Knoblock used to come down there and I had a cup of tea with him or half a dozen times or more at Ernie's place. Yeah. And uh, all the Sydney fellas and that used to come up to Tamworth and get their birds at Knoblock's, uh, you know, from Ernie's. Okay. Because it was about a halfway mark, you know, from Brisbane. Yes. Yeah, you know, down to Tamworth and... Uh, they used to all come and get all their birds, all these top flyers down there. Some of them used to breed me birds and bring back the following year and everything. And uh, they were getting birds off him for quite a few years there. And uh, and I ended up with um, uh, you know a lot of uh, Ernie's best knoblocks that he had off um, off knoblocks. So, um, so I had the three okay. good lines there. Would never look back. And then me McLean's come from Old Arthur Rymer in Newcastle. And uh, Old Arthur, uh, the first year I got them McLean's off him. Yeah. Uh, I flew 700 mile, uh, we're flying uh, 700 mile that year from Longreach again, I think it was. Yep. And um, the, uh, I got one of his McLean's first in that day to, to win that race. And um, That's awesome. Well think, done, mate. Well done. 
Yes, uh, they, they never looked back. The further you sent them, the better they went. You know, they were very good birds. So, uh, um, and, and they they originated Victoria in the first place. Uh, it, apparently, they come there. There was only him and one other bloke had them, and uh, and uh, the other chap moved to Western Australia, I think it was. And he even got on to me later on to see if I still had some pure McLean's left with Arthur had, you know what I mean? Oh, right. Because he wanted to put them over them. And uh, yeah. there was only the pair of them that had them birds. And Arthur didn't want to leave them in Newcastle, so he, he wanted me to take them all. He brought them all up to town with me and give them all to me. Oh, right. He had a bird there that was uh, offered only two weeks earlier for $500. Yeah. The bloke tried to buy it off him for $500. He'd give it to me for nothing. <laughs> what a good man. What a good man. <laughs> it was his best ten there. I think it was the Newcastle Classic winner. Wow. Yeah, that $10,000 race, had they? Yes, yes. It was the winner out of that, but it, it didn't just breed uh, like birds from them classics and that. Uh, they were very good over the lo- The longer you sent them, the better they went, you know? Yeah, Okay. So do you do you pair your do you leave them the same way like the McLeans together and the Harrisons together? Or you, yeah, you yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. Well, you I, do. I got them all paired together. They, uh, yeah, there you go. Well, they're all breeding, breeding very good. The pairs that I got, so I don't break them up. I leave them together for life. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, that's right. But they're the same bloodline. You keep together. Yeah, yeah and they yeah. stop together until old age, and then one might drop off the perch on you, like yeah. the hen or the cock. Yep. When that happens, I put the I put a young one back, another McLean, somewhere uh, like uh, like a cousin or whatever, back to that bird. Yeah. And I I, um, I put the I got a pair going up there now. I got the son over the mother. Oh just, just right. To get okay. a couple out of them. They yes, are the yes. real old ones. Yep. And to get that old bloodline back again, and then I split it again and put it the, the same way with the cock side and the hen side. And you get the pair back again, you know, like uh, it just keeps going. But if you if you let them uh, save, you say, oh, I wonder which side the hen, uh, who's breeding the good birds, the hen or the cock, who gives the bugger if you're getting winners every year out of them, which one they must be, just be clicking, you know, like yeah. they, they both click together, and that's why you're getting that winner. So why bust them up to see if it's a hen coming out of the hen side or the cock side? Yeah. Exactly. So, so you're wa- like, together. I, I like you said, you're wasting time. Two different pair me over eight, eight, uh, eight winners from over 500 miles. Wow, that's it's amazing. Six, 16 winners out of two pair. How good is that? Yeah, and I just left them together. I kept shooting them every year. didn't matter where I sent them to. They were knocking them off all around Australia. And that's why people keep coming, knocking on, on Dennis's door for more. Yeah, well, I had a bloke from Western Australia rang me today and he listens to this radio program, actually, and um, he said he heard me on the, the other day and uh, he rang me up from Perth there and he's thinking about getting some sock birds off me. I've already got birds over at different blokes over there, done very well with them. And he, he picked some of my birds up off an old fire over there, he got some off me. Yeah. Well, and, Ivan's uh, got... He yeah. wanted to get some more, so... Um, the, uh, yeah, so... Um, no, they go well everywhere. I won everywhere they've been, every state... I've won a long race. That's excellent. Or, or several long races. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of people have done good with your birds. And that's why Ivan wants to buy a pair of your birds too now. He yeah. just said to me, he goes, I'm getting some too. <laughs> I think yeah, well, Taz, I, got, I think I can um, hear Taz. I, got, I think Taz uh, wants some as well. well. That first lot of rings that I, I rung there, I got, they're all on and on the squeakers there. And I, I told the chap uh, from Central Coast, 
uh, uh, they'll be ready um, yeah, just after in in January. Yeah. And uh, the other ones are going on now, you know, for the for the other ten rings for that ring race. Oh right, yeah. Oh yes, that's the. Yes, so so, and I've got a bloke in Tasmania. When I send them birds down to us uh, to Tas- uh, down to Melbourne, that second ten. Yes. I've got a bloke in Tassie. I've got to send a couple of birds over to Tassie on the same truckload. So um, uh, the um, if if, you, if anyone else wanted a few down that day, I'll get them down with them. Well, that's it. Well, that sale. Good that, son. That I, ve- want, I want a pair. Yeah, well, Ivan said he'd probably want to buy a pair off you. So, um, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. may as well get them down. That way you yeah. save two lots of freight. So that's you get them right. down with one lot of freight. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that, that way, um, yeah, well, that, that, they'll be ready. Um, well, they're, they're getting, they're, they're all out. I just, um, I started ringing them and um, bought the second lot. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. So they'll, they'll be rung over the next week. So. And, and that's and that's for the Victorian Pigeon Organisation uh, Breeders' Plate, which is on the 6th of the 1st, 2023. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. only a couple of weeks away. And if you, anyone wants some good top long-distance pigeons, we're going to have not one, not two, we're going to have ten available from the man himself, Dennis Woods. Yeah, I'll give you them ring numbers, didn't I? So yeah. you, you got all them there, and yeah. uh, and uh, they're going on just as we speak, like uh, tomorrow. Yes, <laughs> yeah? yes, so, uh, yes. I started yes. ringing them today, and uh, they'll, they'll be going on through the week. So for that second race, yeah. yeah. Oh, we, we, hey, we, we we really appreciate you donating those uh, two teams to us, and. Um, like yeah, I said, it's not a problem, and I, I just hope everything works out well, and you just get a get a vehicle and whatever you've got to get there. Yes, and, uh, yeah. Ask him when he's available to come. To well, Ivan just said when you're. We got to discuss off probably probably off air, obviously, but we want to discuss when you're uh, available. Uh, we want you to come down for the weekend, and we're going to do like a seminar. We're going to do a seminar and um, get you to do a talk, and it'll be great, you know. Would yeah, you would you be would you be I'm up for that? I know all, but I'll, um, I only tell, I, it all comes from the heart and what I've done, and that's all I can say. You know. Listen, um, everything you've said, everything you, you're a walking encyclopedia for exactly pigeons. I'm telling you, like that's what that's what Taz said. So um, you're amazing. You're amazing. You're what? The old flyers taught me everything I there know. There you go. Well, there you go. He's got to leave that information with the new. Flyers. And that's where Dennis was saying he doesn't want to. He doesn't hold back. No, if you no. want to know something, he's not like these flyers who are good flyers, but they don't want to. They'll tell you just this much. Yeah. They'll give you well, a little well, bit, but they won't you, give you the lot. You get the money races, like, um, uh, well, say if you, you you got a bird displayed, like you buy some birds at a sale or something, and and you want to get them ready for a race, I, I, a lot of blokes sit on their birds and you'll never win a race if you sit on them. That, you that's exactly them right. Put with your race bird, but bust them up, though. Well, even if you bust them into three teams, it doesn't matter, you know, like to go with your race birds each week. Yes, and yeah. Run, run them all through their money races, but pull them up a couple of weeks before the race. Yes, yes. And then uh, give, give them, a, as I said, a week off, freshen them up around the loft, and that do just... Stuff them up with food and whatever. It all come back food thing. I keep coming back to it. Yeah. And then because them races are normally about six hundred k's or whatever. Most of them money races are a bit further. Yes. And uh, um, you know, get them right that way, freshen them up, and then in that last week, yeah, take take them every day twenty k's just for that fifteen twenty minute sprint. Take them, but but when they come home, don't get them straight in the loft. 
just let them fly around for whatever they want to do. If yeah. they want to do 20 minutes, half hour, hour, or hour and a half, it doesn't matter. Yeah. How many times let a week? Let them come how many... and do what they like and then feed them in. That's it. That's their daily thing. That's that's finished. No more second, no afternoon or anything, you know what I mean? Like, that's all you do with them. Every day. Now, now, now take them on the line of flight to where they're going. Yep. And the thing is, for about a week straight, now what happens, oh, you'll see them as, as, as the week goes on. Mm-hmm. The birds will get lower on the hole. They'll just head across island and go on a cricket ground or something like that. Yeah. And you'll see them, they'll skip straight across on the way. They don't even circle. They don't look. They just get used to bowling straight. When that, when that yep. birds do that, yep. they are now, on. race on. day, them birds, say if you've got uh, three or four birds to go in that money race, what you've got left or something to put in, and you've been training them, as I said, together. Yes. Do, doing that. They, they find it. They might find one or two of their mates there. They'll push their foot down. You train them that way. Where the bunches turn in the first turn or whatever, them birds will go direct, straight, and keep going and leave that bunch behind. I'm telling you now. They were, pretty much they'll be the leaders, and they won't stop. They will, they will be, and if, you've got them, if you don't burn them and do what I just said with the short ones, because yep. they've already done you know, a couple hundred k's or whatever, or 250k or whatever, yes, before yes. you pull them up, Yep. Um. You know, and just do that sprint training with them in that last week. They'll, they'll just uh, they'll get used to doing it. That's the way you train them, and they'll just when, when they let them birds out in the truck that day, they'll head directly home. They won't even turn with the other birds. That's what you want. That's what you yeah, want. And, that, 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 and I used to do it here on our money races, and I used to get nearly a lot of my birds on the drop together and win by half an hour nearly on all their money races. <laughs> unreal. That is unreal. Let, that's then, how you train them. Yeah, exactly. Dennis, so we've got uh, Tony Babara here as well. And um, Tony's been racing for 40 years, 50. Yep. He's been racing for a long time himself. Now, yep. everything you've been saying, every time you, you, you talk, he looks at us and he just thumbs up. Yeah? <laughs> no, no, no I'm, what, do you, what do you think, Tony? Well, to me, Joe, he's a legend. There you go. And this guy's yeah, been... Right. Well, well, a lot of people say I'm spilling me guts because... Um, <laughs> I'm at the end of my career. Nah, you know? No, you're not. And, no, you're not. And uh, I'll just tell everything I know, and um, and I know quite a bit. I've learnt quite a bit over the years. And where we are situated here, it's very hard flying. No one will fly through here. You know what I mean? Like <clears throat> they get belted all the time going up through here. And I was talking to a mate of mine up in Queensland, Kevin Butters. Okay, yes. Uh, Kevin knocked one a long race off the year before last with. Uh, with one of my birds, and um, good on him. And he, anyway, he flew some late birds here this season. Just gone. I sent him up. He didn't pick them up to March, and uh, they're very young. Like never molded out. And he had birds on the day from 550 mile there out of them there this year. Jeez. But, um, Unbelievable. Yeah, and and in in the national, they had one there with his winning bird, and uh, uh, yeah, they went very well for for birds so late. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. And um, anyway, uh, the uh, he, when he was flying in Tamworth here, he used to fly down here in our club with his father. We, we had a real big club here, and um, and uh, his his dad was the one who taught me how to feed the birds actually properly. You know, with the hopper feeding. Yeah. Because his father was a very good flyer. He used to win everything here, and uh, like you couldn't get near him, and. Uh, 
And I said to him, well, I'll snuck around old Noel's place there and see what he's eating. Yeah, sticky beak, not what he's been up to, you know. And, and he, he sort of told me everything. I got him on the grog there one night. He, he's done a bit of labour and for me. He spilled, spilled his beans there with me and I got the lot off him, you know. <laughs> so, so that's the best way of getting it off a boat, you know. <laughs> Take a few beers into him, man. Ah, <laughs> oh, that is gold. That is gold, but, mate. Yeah, but he, uh, that, that hop of food didn't come from him. Yes. And uh, I even told Kevin, his son, uh, that's where I learned off his father. Yes. And and um, Kevin was down here one year. We used to toss our birds. We used to toss them every week. We'd have birds on the, like, went up an hour later after all the race birds. Yes. Right up to, we got right up to Mitchell, 600 kilometres we tossed. Yeah. And uh, 100% returns, you know, even though there was only a couple of us in the toss. Yeah. And then I took four birds in from to Charlesville uh, to go in. They said, oh, you can't put them in the race. Uh, you only allowed you 20. And I said, they said, you'll have to toss them or take them home. And I, they said, you, you wouldn't toss four birds, would you? I said, throw them in. I said, put them in the toss crate. They, they don't need your birds to find their way home. <laughs> anyway... They put them up half hour later. Yeah. I ended up winning uh, Charlesville that day. I got birds just about half past four or something in the afternoon. It was dark about five. Yeah. And then birds were about half hour neat behind them other birds. I got three out of the four dropping in the dark. Unbelievable. <laughs> they were tossed from they were tossed from four hundred miles on their own. That is good. That is good. You've definitely got the recipe, mate. I'll tell you. Well, well mate, he, he told the Queensland blokes up there, they're cover, they're cover mad as well. You yeah. Know, and uh, they won't let their special birds up. Um, it, like, they've all got to go up in the one big bunch. Yes. And Sydney's doing it down there too. Like, they, yeah. won't, put their birds, they won't separate their, their special races from the other ones. And they should go, a special race should be up on its, on its own, you know. And 100%. The bird wins. It shouldn't 100%. have any, any drag off any other bird, you know. No, you can't have that. That's To me, that's cheating, you know, because then you've got an advantage for, to certain yeah, flyers. Yeah, well, that's it, and uh, that's what we've done all the time. That's it. We, we've got 15 birds up on the range from bloody four, 500 miles all the time, and that four birds were not tossed. See? You don't need cover with the birds. They're good. They get home. And, uh, exactly. Actually, one of them four birds knocked me the 700 mile off from Morella that year. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I put it in the Morella. Yeah. And um, it, it knocked the race off uh, one by about an hour and a half. That's amazing. <laughs> My goodness. Mate, these stories get better and better. <laughs> but I was after doing that 400 mile toss. <laughs> I, had it, I, I souped it right up for 700, see? I, that's that's it, unbelievable. That's unreal. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, so, I uh, if your birds are good, they'll get home, and if you've got them right all the time, you'll get them home. And then, you know, like, uh, as I said, uh, if the birds aren't up, the, like, if they're not shining in your cage and, and looking bright in the eye and that and, and uh, wanting to get out every day to fly, you're not feeding properly, for starters. Exactly. Something's not right. Dennis, I just want to say, because we've got we've to end the show very, very soon, but before we end the show, I want to ask you uh, just to... A um, couple of things on your... Just one more thing. Just on... Your lovely wife, may she rest in peace, she passed away a year ago. What was her name? Faye. Oh, her name was Annette, but we called her Faye, yeah. Faye, yeah. So you, so Faye, she helped you with the birds as well? She she was involved yeah, with you with she, the birds and did, all that? She, she did, she did, mate. She, oh. uh, when I was doing the boxing... Yep. Uh, I was taking boxing troops all over the place, sometimes on race night. Yep. And... Uh, and uh, I'd send the birds away like the Friday night, take off Saturday with a boxing troop, 
Yeah. And uh, she'd sit out there and clock in. I'd ring her up, um, you know, late that night in between the fights sort of thing and say, how'd you go? And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I couldn't get this little shit in the cage or something like this. She'd say, you know, or something like that, like... Uh, to get him in, but I'll tell you what, she won nearly all the races for me when she got him in, you know, and um, um, like, uh, uh, she used to put a pair of gloves on and everything to handle them. She wouldn't handle them with her hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, she'd go up there with a big pair of leather gloves on and the pigeons were hard to catch because they weren't used to it, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. And, and, and she'd put a, she'd put a, uh, either a beanie over her head or a scarf so the pigeon feathers wouldn't get in her hair. And um, she, she was like that all the time, but she never knocked me back for knock uh, for clocking birds all them years, like uh, like for twenty five years we're doing that. And uh, yeah. and and she clocked in on the all the long ones. I remember one we flew from Mackay in Queensland. Um, uh, it was uh, and we flew Rockhampton and Gympie before I got the double header there uh, from Rockhampton and and Gympie, and then we put birds in the Mackay and we had a. It was a headwind blowing 100 mile an hour up the coast that, that weekend. They still put the birds up in that wind, and uh, but it was just on the end of uh, clocking time on the third day I went to work, and I said to Faye, just keep an eye out, and she, she rung me up and she said, I just clocked a little bird in a good, it didn't have the strength to get up on the trap, it was out you know, near, the, near my cage on the ground, it didn't have the energy to even... Move so she just opened the door up and run it in through the door and grabbed it and she clocked it in. That ended up winning that Mackay and I, I um it was the only bird home in race time and it was a little cock bird and when I picked it up it was skin and bone. It Unbelievable! Run it through, uh, right out to skin and bone. Unbelievable! So I think Faye was your little secret, mate. Yeah, mate. Yeah, no, she 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 was even the last race I, I raced um, uh, this previous year. Um, uh, a bird landed, and I was sort of, I was sort of talking to her, and that and I wasn't taking too much notice. And she said, "Aren't you going to go and clock that bird?" She said, "There's a bird on your track." <laughs> and I said, "How long's that been there?" She said, "About five minutes." I was wondering what you're doing. Oh no! And I said, "Oh, geez." So I ran up and clocked it in. I still won the race with it, so it didn't make any oh, difference. Oh my you know? god! What? Unbelievable. That is so good. That is so good. You know, the reason I asked you is because we're getting a lot of women involved, uh, especially, you know, in the last couple of years. And um, I wanted to know if your wife got involved as well, which she did. Um, so that's great. And that's what we want to see. We want to see more the family, yeah, more, we, more we, of a family oriented. presentation down in our club here every year, yeah. down the Tamil Club. Yeah. And uh, we'd all go out for dancing and we'd, oh, have that's a, the best. we'd hire a little room, you know, in the club there or something or other. And. And we'd have a dance and a have oh, a food awesome. and have a presentation. We had the, yeah, we wouldn't get out, but get out of a place to one o'clock in the morning. You know, like yeah, like they were good nights in presentation nights. And um, yeah. and if, if you do things like that, um, uh, you know, like uh, everyone appreciates it. Of course they do. Of course they do. They have all the flies and that properly, and their wives and families and kids and whatever and. Yeah, uh, you're right on the, the money. The game, right it, on yeah. the money, Dennis. Listen, Dennis. Listen, it's been, it's been amazing talking to you. What do you think, uh, Taz? Yeah, that's really, really interesting. Mate. Really interesting, and it kind of reminds me of uh, when I was a teenager, the way. Uh, 
pigeon racing was 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 different. Was what you see is what you get. Um, whereas these days, it's, it's sort of gone down a different direction. But correct, but really, really interesting. Correct, and thank yeah, God. I, I think the main thing is I've been asking around here why things haven't been picking up, and it's nearly the elderly flies are still going. And yeah. uh, not many young kids coming through. Well, uh, if you can get the young kids, make it easier for them by having some club clocks. Yes, you know, that's, get the that's old correct. Wind up clocks, and that's what people don't want anymore. And and uh, yeah. working pretty well. And, that's uh, it. And uh, just say, look, look, don't worry about clocks. We've got plenty of clocks here for you. You know, and that exactly. way, and, and, and give them half price for the bird, and give them half price for their membership. And that's you what know, yeah, exactly. Because they're still going to buy the food and get going and. And exactly. other things, and they still got to train their birds. And if, if anyone wants to give them a hand to train their birds, and even better, help them for the first couple of years, so they can pick a place or a win up, you know. Exactly. Exactly. And, and if the birds are no good, tell them that uh, look, I think you better get some birds or someone. And and uh, even if everyone just gives them a few pair of their better birds, there, just so they can get a, get a start. You that's know? the way to go. That's the way to go. Exactly. Well, that, that's what it was like in the old days. Um, people would sort of, club members would just, you know, give people, say, a few youngsters or stockbirds. Um, whereas these days, a lot of new flies are told, oh, you've got to go here and spend a bucket of money. But it's not necessarily the case, is it? No, it's well, not. Well, the it's thing not. is, a lot of them sales, like uh, we used to have sales in, you'd have two or 300 birds in the pens, right? Yep. Yeah, for, for our bird display sales and that. Yes. And, and if you know what you're doing... You could pick the eye out of all them birds without handling them. Exactly. You don't have to handle them to, to see if they're any good. You just look at their eye. And yes. the eye is the soul of the bird. Mm-hmm. And I, I keep telling, I've taught uh, me mate David Gordon down there in Sydney there about the eye and Kevin Butters and all them blokes who come here. Yeah. About, and, and, and even the boys from Newcastle and that, about if they go to them sales, just look for that sun, like the, 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 the eye was exploding like sun rays out of the pupil. It doesn't matter if it's a black, uh, you know, yellow sign or, um, or grey sign or whatever, that sign around the eye, like the pupil, yep. if it's diluting into the colour coloration of the eye, you know what I'm getting at? Yeah. Well, you, you know, look for that, that yeah. busted eye, because... Uh, Nearly all these good long-distance birds I've got, he's got that busted eye, and nearly all my family's got that busted eye. And uh, that uh, you get a straight eye pigeon with no, not much sign at all. It might might have a nice bright red eye or a yeah. pearl or whatever. If it's got nothing going in the eye department with that that busting, what I'm talking about, out of, that, uh, out of the eye sign, um, they're just ordinary pigeons. They're dime a dozen, and you might as well leave them in the boxes there. <laughs> yeah. Well, when we do get you down and we have the seminar, we're gonna. I'm gonna bring some birds down. Ivan will, Ivan will bring some birds I, down. I, I, I had Kevin Butters, his young fella, come from a sale in Sydney there once. He bought twenty birds, just paid big money from. Yeah. No. Just say you can show us the eyes. Three hundred dollars. Yeah. Some of them more. Yes. He bought a crate through here. He's picking some of my birds up for Kevin to go up there and. He had them in the back of his wagon. I said, where'd you get them? Well, I won't tell, tell you where they come from, but anyway, I looked at them and I said, uh, geez, how much you spent on them? And he said, oh, I spent two or $3,000 on them. Wow. And, and I said, you're joking. I said, there's only two good birds in there. <laughs> I'm looking at them there now. I said, see oh, that no. bird there with that eye? Yeah. That'll breed you good bird. That's a good bird. I said, sir, that one there, it's half good. It's not too bad. Yeah. But the rest of them had a fish eye, what we call a fish eye, no sign. Okay. 
but they had uh, washed out eyes. Their eye was uh, washed out, yep. didn't have any colour formation in their eye much at all, and no sign. Oh, right. And I said, you've got fish-eye pigeons, so they're no bloody good, you know. <laughs> and he said, what? They've, oh, they come from, they've done this, they've done that, and done so. I said, they done. They won't do nothing, them birds. Oh, anyway, no. Kevin got rid of them after two years, they never bet a thing for him. You see? Spent all that money on them. And you can, you can tell by the eye, as I said, the yeah. eye is the soul of the bird. You, you can, the old fellow of old Ernie Hall, where I got my knob locks from, yeah. he taught me the eye game when I was a bloody kid there. We had, we, we had that eyeglass on everything there, and, and he taught me about the violet eye. If you ever got a violet eye sign, yeah. Yeah. throw it straight in the race bin. I had one here, a real violet eye hen that uh, people tried to buy off me um, when, when they were squeakers in the cage. Yeah. I won Emerald with it, uh, 600 mile, that bird, uh, come, uh, they reckon it must have flew through the dark and it was about 100 yards away from my loft on daybreak next morning. Anyway, um, mm. it had to fly down through Armadale Way and they were flying with us that year yeah. like, um, from Emerald and uh, it's come right through, right to about a couple hundred yards up the paddock from my cage and I went out just on daybreak and I could see, I, looked, I was looking around for birds and Next thing I was seeing this bird just hovering over the fence fence line that was coming there by the old wire fences. Yep. And and I said, oh, that's a, that looks like a pigeon. Next thing that there's another bird right on its tail. Uh oh. It might be two pigeons. Anyway, it comes down close. I said, that's a pigeon and a bloody peregrine. Oh no. Yeah, right on its tail. Anyway, oh, no. this is on daybreak. So that that bloody peregrine must have knocked it down or something that night. Yep. Down there, and it sat around waiting for it for the next morning. Oh, the bugger! Anyway, chased it right down to the loft, and I, I was just putting me traps down, and the pigeon nearly knocked me bloody head off because I didn't have the trap down, and it <laughs> flew straight bugger. into this gum tree next to me cage, and the perry nearly cleaned me up too, and nearly run into my head as well. Oh no! It, and it, it hit it on the tail and knocked the whole complete tail out of it. Cheeky bugger. It went up in the tree and it was bleeding like anything. It was sitting up there all tucked up, bleeding, and I tried to get that bird down. I couldn't get it down. I hunted the peregrine away. Yeah. And then uh, I had to, I had a broken wing bird hit a power line, and I grabbed it after about half an hour later after trying to whistle this bird down. I yeah. threw it down on the ground in front of the cage, and it ended up coming down. Oh, and good. I got it in, clocked it in. It won by three and a half hours, that bird. Oh, my God. It was a violet eye. Now, oh that bird, God. I put it to stock. That's amazing. It fed me story. eight long-distance winners. What a story. Eight long-distance eight, winners. Eight long-distance winners come out of her. Wow. And I've still got her progeny breeding real good stuff now. See that? That is unreal. That's why you still yeah. got. That's why you got people knocking on your door, my friend. You got good birds. And in saying that, Dennis, my friend, we have to stop the show because it's we've gone a bit over the, a bit over time, and uh, we'll have you on again. So this is not the end. No, he's coming. To yeah. Okay. Hey. Oh, it's Father Christmas here. Are you on my naughty or nice list this year? Still time to change that, you know. Ho ho! Come on, Rudolph. Eighty-eight point three Southern FM. Yellow Drops is now available in Australia and distributed by Natural Pigeon Products. The authentic Yellow Drops is a product used by the great champions in pigeon racing for decades. They eliminate almost instantaneously, naturally, the fungi, trichomonas and bacteria existing in the upper digestive and respiratory system. To order your Yellow Drops now, call Natural Pigeon Products on 035 
998-998-1000 or pigeonvitality.com.au Southern FM sponsor. Your one-stop produce and farming supplies. Tara Meat. We get racing pigeons racing, horses racing, cattle and poultry feeding. All racing pigeon products and supplements available. We also have live poultry sales. Tara Mead stock feed and farming supplies. 1227 Holden Road, Tulin Vale. Open seven days a week. Telephone, Peter, on 0484 340 551. Southern FM sponsor. Flyright is a nutritional balancer product designed to assist racing pigeons to reach their racing capability and potential. Flyright contains a number of natural ingredients such as prebiotics, herb extracts, oregano, yeast functional fibers designed to increase the number of favorable microflora within the gastrointestinal tract. Flyright is a natural physical barrier to pathogens. Order your Flyright now at appliednutrition.com.au or phone us on 07-3206-2568. Southern FM sponsor. For all your pigeon requirements, head to Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies. We make our own range of pigeon carry baskets, bird breeding cages and boxes. We're one of Melbourne's largest suppliers of quality seed, feed and more. You'll find health supplements, minerals and grits for pigeons and other breeds. Visit Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies at our retail shop in Apex Court, Thomastown or phone 9464 2439. Southern FM sponsor. Pigeon Racing Victoria presents the Victoria Cup 2023. With a guaranteed first prize of $100,000, Australia's biggest race is on again, this time from Cobar, New South Wales. Sign up now for the Victoria Cup. It's on Sunday the 24th of September 2023. Rings are $100 each with one free ring for every 10 purchased. For details, visit pigeonracingvictoria.com. Southern FM sponsor. Tis the season to remember that some of us find this time tough. Missing those who aren't here with us or struggling with holiday stuff. So tis the season to be asking, can I help you out in any way? I'm here for you if you need me. Just checking in. Are you okay? Get free conversation tips for the holidays at areyouok.org.au. This is your captain speaking. We're about to hit some strong turbulence, so please fasten your seat. Oh, hang on. I just got a video of my son with our dog. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> Imagine the pilot of a plane putting lives at risk like this. Yet some people think it's still okay to text and drive. Texting takes your eyes off the road, risking your life and the lives of others. Stop texts, stop wrecks. Rad, recording artists, actors and athletes against dumb driving. Hi, this is Paul Stanley. Hi, this is Gene Simmons of Kiss for Rad. Getting drunk may be your business, but it's my business too, because when you get out on the road, my butt's in your hands. Get a designated driver. I don't want to die because you want to have fun. Remember, music lives, and so should you. Don't drink and drive. I want you alive. Shout it, shout it, shout it out loud. A message from Rad. Recording artists, actors, and athletes against drink driving.
Do you like gardening, flora and fauna? If the answer is yes, why not tune into Molly's Blooming Hour every Saturday starting at 4pm. You'll be treated to a plethora of interviews with gardening experts and celebrities, as well as plenty of garden tips, gardening events and easy listening hip music. Whatever your interests in nature may be, you're sure to find something you love on the show. So make yourself a cup of tea or perhaps something a little bit stronger. Sit back on the porch in your garden and enjoy Molly's Blooming Hour. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a slab of beer in an SD. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two bits of flake and a slab of beer in an SD. And from all of us here at Pigeon Radio Australia, we wish you a Merry Christmas and all the best for the new year. And uh, we'll be back with Pigeon Radio Australia next week. Doesn't matter about the Christmas break. We're not having a break. So from Joe Angelino, Tony Barbara and myself, Ivan Fonte, we wish you a Merry Christmas and all the best. Have a safe one, ladies and gentlemen. We'll catch you next week here on Pigeon Radio Australia. Five meat pies, four dim sims, three chicka rolls, two bits of flake and a slab of beer in an esky. On the sixth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me six jars of Vegemite, five meat pies, four dim sims, three chicka rolls, two bits of flake and a slab of beer in an esky. On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me seven Pluto pups, six jars of Vegemite, five meat pies, four dim sims, three chicka rolls, two bits of flake and a slab of beer in an esky. On the eighth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me eight poly waffles, seven Pluto pups, six jars of Vegemite, five meat pies, four dim sims, three chicka rolls, two bits of flake and a slab of beer in an esky. On the ninth-